Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. All right, I'm just uh, doing a quick text here, <laughs> a quick message to a friend of mine. Uh, we're still waiting for our, our guest to uh, um, to call in here. Let me just uh, put the number on it there. Be right with you. I'm just doing uh, pre-show stuff here. There we go. <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> I'm back. Sorry. It's Monday. Nothing ever works right on a Monday. <laughs> Monday's like the first pancake off the grill. It's just never as good as the rest of them, okay? So I got to get organized. I got to get a chance to, to get stuff done. I got to get back into radio mode. And there's just a ton of things. There's a ton of things going on. So we're just, uh, I'm, I'm sure, uh, we're going to talk to Mary Johnson here in just a minute. I'm sure she's just slightly delayed, but we shall get her as soon as she calls in and uh, find out what she wants to do as mayor, which I think is going to be fun. Now, a lot of folks are thinking around the country, well, gee, Greg, you know, Milton, Florida, it's not like it's, you know, the thriving metropolis of Atlanta or Houston or some big city. No, it's not. But a lot of people live in small towns and a lot of politics uh, is local and What's interesting about local politics is that what we local here is very much local all over the place. If you have a historic district, you have something in common with Milton. If you have a river through your town, you know, if it goes back with a little bit of history, because rivers were the highways, you know, of the 18 and the 1700s, you've got something in common with Milton. I'm just readjusting my chair here. Um, if you have anything that, uh, you know, that, that just, uh, and is our town perfect? No. <laughs> you know, do we have issues? Uh-huh. Uh, do I have some questions on, on COVID policies, you know, for Mary when she calls? Absolutely. And so I want to find out, uh, and with me, you know, especially when I interview folks, um, you know, for political office, and I don't get as many as I'd like to. In fact, I'd like to talk to everybody here. Uh, understand that I really like to ask open-ended questions. I'm not here to, to uh, you know, ambush. I'm not here to trick anybody, um, you know, but I'm going to find out what you want to do. And so that makes a, makes a big difference. So let me just, I've got a couple articles here I can go over uh, as, we're, uh, as we're waiting here. One of them, which is fascinating, is this poll that was taken, uh, I guess, recently. I'm just going to pull my article on that here. And i got an article that says, Democracy Dies in Darkness. And this is from the Independent Journal Review. And it was fascinating. I was listening to, who's the guy on the weekends? Um, oh, I forgot what his name is, but he's a former uh, Trump administrator, border guy, one of these guys. And he was talking about this poll. And what was so fascinating about it is the fact that the biggest problem was it was asking about the threat to democracy. You know, what's the greatest threat to democracy? Uh, well, of course, I posted, you know, I posted last night, the, the greatest threat to democracy is the U.S. Constitution because we're not a democracy. Actually, democracy is the greatest threat to a republic because people have this mistaken belief that we are a, um, you know, a democracy. We're simply not. You know, and said, well, gee, Greg, what's the difference? Since I channel Rush Limbaugh. Difference between a democracy and a republic is very simple. A republic has a, has a constitution, has defined rights, has limited government, uh, you know, rights of the accused, due process, things like that. So a trial by jury with rules of evidence, an arraignment, a grand jury, things like that. That's, that's a republic. You know, a lynch mob, that's a democracy. Wow, we think he, he did it. Yeah, it's, it's going to rope. Okay, majority rules, right? Okay, so there's your difference. All right. So obviously, like I said, I'm kind of vamping here a little bit because I was hoping to uh, get right into our guest. But uh, uh, as that happens, um, we'll get going. Let me just, uh, in fact, I'm going to, no, I'll keep going with this. I, I sort of have to check things at the same time because I'm still working on a producer for the show. I'm still looking into, up oh, there we go. 
Life is good. <laughs> See, you wait a couple of minutes, you, you ask some people, and, and, and amazing things happen. So let's get to our guest of the day. Hang on, let me scroll down here just a little bit further. i, I got to find a faster way to do this, too. Our guest of the day is, drumroll, please, Mary Johnson. Now, this is going to be kind of fun for me because I've never talked to Mary Johnson. I don't know. We were in the same town. Our paths never crossed. I don't know how. We're both in politics. I talk about it. She does it. You know, and so, uh, so I'm curious. And so some friends of Mary uh, got a hold of me and said, let's get Mary Johnson on the show. I'm like, well, sounds cool to me. I'm game. So let's, let's do that. And I'm going to make her line live. And uh, let's, uh, let me see. First of all, she's running for office. That, that in itself is crazy enough. So let me find my... Uh, let's get a little round of applause for her here. Welcome to the show. Hello, Mary. Welcome to Action Radio. Good morning. How are you today? Well, it's Monday, so I'm a little disorganized, a little disheveled. Uh, um, it, it's weird. You don't do radio for a day. It's like you, you sort of like have a, a skilled appreciation, you know. <laughs> so uh, I'm just getting, I'm just figuring out what to do. Like, at least I got my water here. The chair is adjusted, right? So otherwise I'm fine. So, yeah, so I've got a whole bunch of questions for you. How are you doing this morning? Ready for some fun? I'm great. Understood about today is Monday. I've tried uh, to get in uh, about five, six minutes ago, and uh-huh. uh, maybe I'm dialing the wrong number. So yeah, you probably call my cell phone. <laughs> people do yeah. that a lot. It's like, no, so I don't give it away uh, a lot. I'm simply because people call in. Let me see if you call. Uh, what if, yeah, and that's okay. Listen, it's the first time on the show. Um, okay, I think, yeah, well, you, you found me at least. So you got friends out there, and so that's a good thing. So you got some support, so they obviously got us all connected here. I tried to, to give out the phone number uh, as often as possible, 215-383-3832, but for anybody that needs it, every show that we've done back four years on the broadcast page is the phone number to call in. I didn't think, you know, I'm sure you okay. didn't know that, but uh, just to let you know. So now you know where we are. You can find us. So let's, let's talk about you. Mm-hmm. Enough about me. Tell me your story. Who are you? What's, okay, uh, how did you come to be in Milton and here and doing what you're doing? So let's, let me hear your story, please. Okay. Actually, I was born in Milton uh, several years ago, um, and this has been my home for many, many years. I've uh, done many things here. I uh, went to school. Um, my mom was a um, community nurse trained by Dr. Turner from the Baghdad community. So I kind of went around with her some of the times. I've been a shadow for many years. But I I went to uh, high school in this area at an all-black school, T.R. Jackson, and um, I've done many things since then. A lot of community work. A lot of schooling and uh, one thing of the other. After graduating from high school, I attended some school at Pensacola at Washington Junior College. And during that time, I was also employed at Santa Rosa Hospital. And from that, I continued to move forth in my educational arena. I uh, went to Florida A&M University and enjoyed that. I was a science major, biology, chemistry major, and, of course, I was following the track for my brother 
who was a pre-med major there at, at one point. Um, he was much older than I was, and he was doing the time of the draft, and he was drafted in the military. So therefore, um, he went into the uh, military, and um, he didn't like that career in medicine. And he went as a CP uh, in another field, mm-hmm. and uh, came out of the military. And actually, went in uh, over to University of West Florida years later after he had done his stint in uh, the military. Changed his major to CPA and was eventually reported employed by Georgia Power as a CPA. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to follow the track anymore. I stayed in um, biology, but actually if he had stayed in the medical field, I was following his track. And even now, I thought, why didn't you do that? I like medicine as well. But I could have done that, but I didn't do it. I just stayed in the teaching field for a while. And of that particular career, I did graduate from Florida A&M, came back, landed a job at Santa Rosa School System teaching biology, chemistry, and the like. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed working with the students. Um, My first job was at King Middle School. Then I began to advance and and do other other degrees to that. I uh, wound up at Pace High School teaching biology and chemistry. I'm the Earl Hawthorne. He hired me in. I did love Pace High School a lot. But being from Milton, when there were football games, the students would and the neighbor, what are you doing on Pace's side? I said, because I'm a patriot. I work here. No, we don't like this, you know, <laughs> because those were robbery schools. But I said, I do. I'm loyal to my students, and mm-hmm. I dearly love Pace. High school at this time. I support you guys too. But then this game, I have to support Pace High School. That's where my heart is. After that, I got some questions on on what you've said so far. So we'll we'll kind of go over some. This is interesting. Um, But yeah, please continue. Okay. After this, I've spent in education, I continued in administrative work. Um, under um, Bennett T. Russell, uh, and actually I uh, landed a job at Navarre Intermediate School as an assistant principal. I did uh, administrative training at Hobbs Middle School in Milton, Guthrie's High School, and wonderful parents, wonderful students. As a matter of fact, during that time, we were the largest school in Santa Rosa County. Oh. And after that, I moved to the district office as a science coordinator for the entire district. So, therefore, all the schools were under my watch to make sure 
that they were, you know, focusing and and, uh, teaching good science uh, to all the students. And we had a great robotics program, and we whipped everybody in in the county. We did a show. We actually, just to, just to jump in here for a second, we did a show on that when I was uh, back at WEBY. We had, I think it was Pensacola Christian. They brought a, a robot into the studio, and we had, we had robot fights right there during my show. It was hysterical. Um, I'm also getting a little background noise, I think. I don't know if you have the alert on your phone. I'm getting sort of like a, a, a weird tone. And so that might be a little distracting for folks listening. So if you, if you can turn the, the alerts off or, or, or something like that. Anyway, other than that, yeah, robotics. So you got a science background, don't you? That's what it sounds like, biology, chemistry, yes, uh, robotics. Yes. Okay. Okay. Correct. Yeah. So, okay. Keep going. And I got more questions. <laughs> I, I just keep writing stuff down. So I've got okay, half a page no of notes problem. already. Yeah. Uh, that, well, that was a wonderful experience. And the mm-hmm. students just loved that tip, loved it. Uh, after that, um, I began my political career, and uh, uh, I did a how'd lot you get of into community that? work. How did you go the transition I'm, from education administrator to political career? How did you do that? Well, I, I suppose I always had a political background at any rate, because as we were growing up and having a traditional supper, uh, we all had to sit around the table read an article, and discuss it at the dinner table. So hmm. I began to feel the love for politics all over. And uh, that seemed to be my topic every time at the dinner table. Uh, many, many things. We had friends around in the community. As a matter of fact, I did a ghost walk show the other day, which was tremendous. I um, remember my Pilgrim Baptist Church, uh, which I did research uh, on the church and and found it to have had a great establishment with um, First Baptist Church, 1845. And as I researched, I found some of my roots and some of my great-great-grandfather's family were on the Jackson Morton Plantation in Santa Rosa County. And uh, that led me down with more research, so I fell in love with with that uh, career, uh, historic research, uh, which I just love because I'm in after, after a little while longer, I was continuing to be interested in politics. I ran... The city council in one, the ward uh, one, ward two, and uh, I um, stayed there several years, and then after that point, I ran a third time. <coughs> Excuse me, sinus early this morning. And, yeah, me too. Uh, I was up um, at four. <laughs> I'm up at four o'clock for the I show, so I, uh, so I know I what you mean. Yeah. You can take two. a break. If you need a break, need to okay. grab a glass of water. I've always got stuff I can play, so so no, just just let me know what's going on. You don't have to. Uh, I don't want you struggling through. Uh, believe me, I take breaks myself. It's like, oh, <laughs> time for time for a water break. Okay. <laughs> so don't worry about it. It's not a problem. Let me get a sip of water. 
Well, while you're doing that, let me play something for you, too. In fact, this would probably be a good time to do this. I made a promotion for Milton yeah. a few years ago. We're going to talk about the, uh, you know, sort of the businesses and, and the small business. You pretty much answered my question on how much you value history. I mean, that, that's, that's a given, <laughs> just based on what I've heard so far. Um, so let me, let me see if I can find my, my, my Milton thing that I made for, for all you guys. Uh, because I want to ask what, you're going to, what you want to do as mayor uh, in terms of, of businesses and bringing new business here. So let me find out where I, okay. I can't believe I can't find it. Hang on. Just, oh, so you're back. All right. Let me just play this. Uh, where did I put it? This is so hysterical. This is this. I, I need to be okay. ah, Here it is. I found it. So tell me what you think of this. And in terms of Milton small business, I see this place as just an absolute goldmine. The potential is amazing. So uh, um, I'm curious what you think of having, you know, the world's only internet worldwide internet radio station uh, in Milton that also has the, the only citizen legislature in the world as a combination. But uh, this is the okay. bit here at action radio for Milton. Okay. This is Greg Penglis, creator of Action Radio for my town, Milton, Florida. Milton, it's where I live. It's where you can live too. It's where you can bring a new business, especially a business that helps our downtown historic district. We have everything in Milton. We have the Blackwater River. We have the Imogene Theater, built in 1912 and still booking national acts. We have Scoop's Ice Cream. We have Boomerang's Restaurant, where I get my favorite Thai chicken pizza. We have an outdoor stage for music acts and free concerts by the river. The Blackwater Bistro will keep you in steak and seafood indefinitely. We have brew pubs creating great craft beers and giving us all a place to relax and talk. But it's more than just stuff and food and buildings. It's people. Remember the show Cheers, where everybody knows your name? It's that kind of place. So if you are tired of the cities, of the traffic, the frenetic pace of life that doesn't seem to get you anywhere, if you want a small city that has incredible potential, that combines the best of historic buildings and modern, fun, small retail shops and restaurants, and a great waterfront, plus who knows what for the future, take a look at historic Milton, Florida, in the Panhandle, near Pensacola, and the world's greatest beaches, on the Emerald Coast of the Gulf of Mexico. Milton is going through a renaissance. Maybe you can be part of making it happen. So that's what I made about, yeah, I made about three or four years ago, and I gave that to the city of Milton. I sent it to, uh, to you folks there uh, and the city council and, and the mayor's office and also the Chamber of Commerce. And so I believe that, uh, you know, me as, as here at Action Radio, what I want to do is, is serve this community and serve the, the county, the state, the country, and quite frankly, the rest of the world. I've already written a, a Bill of Rights for uh, Australia. But how do you see as mayor um, the cooperation, promotion, uh, of, of bringing businesses in and things like this. And I'm going to send this to you so you can, uh, you know, promote Milton and, and use, you know, it, it comes as a YouTube. So how do you see us working together as businesses and, and city government? Okay. I'm glad you asked that question because um, I really love Milton because of its historic roots, solid foundation, the buildings, um, and, and as you know, and you were talking about too, I guess we were on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. Milton is one of the oldest cities in Florida. It was incorporated in 1844 before Florida actually became a state. And of course, the beautiful Blackwater River. Uh, with my biology background, uh, 
I've I've studied plants and animals and environments, this kind of thing. Uh, And I found, too, that um, on the Blackwater River, it's been serving a great function for us all the time. Served as a major transport for shipbuilding businesses. So we we were business oriented from the beginning. And you have to look into that to try to find the roots of where you are and where it would lead you through the continuation of the foundation of Milton. It was rich in timbers there. Beautiful timbers. Uh, and, and, of course, along came the war, destroyed, and uh, we were destroying money functions, and buildings were destroyed by the Union Army just the other night during the ghost walk. Mm-hmm. There was a, a soldier from our church, Alexander Jackson. He was in uh, that war, and he served with, under Union commander. And uh, he, he loved Milton. He couldn't wait to get back. And when he came back, he worked with, at the post office, and, uh, and he had a little business there, too. So it would seem that that's coded in my DNA, too, politics, businesses. But Milton, during the COVID, uh, and just right after that, many people mm-hmm. came through. We got, uh, my church was hit in Hurricane Sally, uh, hurricane, and of course you probably know insurance companies, they're really slow to pay mm-hmm. off. I'm the chairman of the trustee board in, at my church, and I was very persistent in working with them, and a lot of mold, mildew, and all that. And mm-hmm. we were so glad finally to be back in that facility in time for the ghost walk. And, uh, um, and it caused me to go back once again and review over the city of Milton and how it's moved from the timber and then the burning, and then still fragments of buildings being left, beautiful buildings. And that itself is a landmark to let us know we need to continue with growth of our businesses and uh, develop as many more as possible. I love the historic district. I do not Oh, Let me sorry. just jump in here for a second because the historic district. I've got like you know, six questions just based on what you're saying. Is really this is this is I love talking to you. This is fun. Um, the histo- I actually wrote a plan for the county, and, I, and I'm not going to you know go too much into it. It says except for the things that that uh, talk about the city. One one of my ideas was to basically double the size of the historic district up to I think it's Park Avenue, Stewart, uh, down Canal Street on the other side of, of Caroline, um, the neighborhood, the streets that run off that there. Would you would that be something you would think about increasing the historic district to uh, you know help create a, a bigger one, better one, you know, for our area here? Yes. Would, that's okay. correct. I would do that because okay. once again my historic research there was a lot of and there areas that should even be included in that historic district, uh, okay. my church, is, as a matter of fact, should be. Uh, I wrote a plan. It's on the historic national registry. Uh-huh. Uh, we will build 
1916, and actually my church was located on Canal Street at one point. It was a built uh, wooden facility, but after slavery and, and back in that uh, area a little bit before when we were at First Baptist, they decided to buy some land and expand, and that's a good thing because the building that we are now is just one street over from that historic district. Beautiful buildings, and there were uh, uh, shotgun buildings and everything. You lose the significance of your town if you just not pay attention to the historic uh, sites and the historic framework of the making of that. So I'm like you. I, I love all this history, and okay. I want it to be sad. People were coming in, and they they visited our church because I was out there with them doing some restoration, and they thought, oh, no, don't y'all ever lose that historic nature, and we shouldn't because it's coded in our DNA, and we need to respect that. We are somebody here in Milton, and we need to set the mark for the state. We were, as I said, uh, we we came early uh, mm-hmm. in our roots, and we need to still be number one in the state of Florida. People love it; they want to come, and I well, want I them to come. Yeah, I have an idea. I want to run by I'm, you. And in fact, I spoke before the city council on this. Uh, something called the Map App. And when I, I was a tour guide out in San Francisco before I came out here and I got my dream job was to was to be the morning host at W.E.B.Y. 1530 a.m. Northwest Florida's news okay. and talk leader. All right. So I did the morning show yeah. starting March 1st of 2017. And then a year and four months later, it was bought by a bigger station, uh, which didn't want action radio. <laughs> so I was out of a job. Um, but I had no interest in leaving oh, this no. area. Well, that's OK. It happens. Well, it's, not- it's, 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 it's the radio business. You know, stations are bought and, and sold all the time. That's why I'm in blog talk radio now so I can say what I want, do what I want, advance action radio, and nobody, yeah. you know, except for blog talk themselves, and they won't do it because they, you know, they like what I'm doing. Um, but uh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Anyway, but the point of that uh, was that I had no intentions of leaving Milton uh, because this is such a special place. And once you're here, people don't realize this. You know, you think Pensacola, and, oh, there's nothing else here but Pensacola. I get news for you. Anyway, so I was a tour guide in San Francisco in the town of Sausalito, which gets 16 million visitors a year by ferry boat from San Francisco, has something called, yeah. they, they have this, this map, and it's like an art map. So it's not just like a, you know, a regular, like a street map or something like that. And it's all the features of the town. It has the historic houses. It has the businesses. It has all the things that you can walk to, drive to, bike to, things like that. So what I was hoping that the city of Milton would do is the same thing. But now, because with the modern technology, you make an app for it as well. So people can go on their phone, and you have a, a, a business right. association of the independent businesses, not the, uh, not the chain stores. I don't want chain stores in the historic district. You'll, you'll lose the charm. But the independent businesses and maybe some historic houses that people can walk by. Don't knock on the doors, folks. There, people live there. You know. but, uh, but at least take a look. Would that be something you'd be interested in, in pursuing for Milton as a way to attract more people here? Exactly right. Uh, and, okay. and like I said before, or those people that's coming through just love it. And, and and that's what I don't want us to lose that integrity. And back to WBY, I mm-hmm. live very close to that. And okay. that was a great uh, one. I think the flying mayor <laughs> um, uh, broadcast from that um, WBY as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, and uh, we, we need to leave that integrity there. Let us never forget. 
what our four parents had struggled for, built and built it up. And I think mm-hmm. the Markins there to let us know, continue on with the historic nature because yeah. some of those buildings are still there. And not only that, the people that it represented. We had just all kind of people here. There were good relationships, a lot of Jewish influence, a lot of African-American, Caucasian, all kind of people, all kind of stores. I also looked up the businesses that were here many mm-hmm. years ago, all type of little little mom-pop stores. Well, see, that's what and we need, though. You, you've got so many open buildings. Yeah, you've got so many open places for people to, to come here. And that's why I made that, uh, that prom- promotion, you know, because the potential is incredible. Let's get back to the waterfront because you mentioned the Blackwater River a little bit before. We had this beautiful boardwalk. Okay which is called the Riverwalk. I kind of like the name, you know, uh, Boardwalk on the Blackwater. That's just my idea. What would you like to do with that, that incredible potential uh, that's right there on our riverfront? Right. Um, boardwalk on the Black, uh, black uh, on the black River, Black, whatever. Well, I call it Boardwalk yeah. on the Blackwater, but it's, it's technically it's known that as the Riverwalk, great. but that's okay. Yeah. Last night there was some okay. ideas I wanted to the and that probably was your idea. I mean, I gotta get your notes and and look <laughs> at uh, uh go back and look at your writing because you're right on the same spot I am. What would I do? Eventually, too, I like to make the great connection all the way through Baghdad, pull okay. them back in, have stores up and down. You know, so it, it's beautiful now. You know, we can walk there under the bridge. I've done that several times, and as I was a council member, uh, we did expand it to some little fishing from that area, and it's just beautiful, the the scenery, all of the plant life, and I, I continue to study that, and I've worked with Charlene Morrow, who was one of my science teachers when I was over science and sent her to a lot of places on workshops. And in doing so, I um, want to utilize the students there to begin mm-hmm. to study the environment of the Blackwater River, all of the plant life, the animal life, so that they can begin to get an, an appreciation and they can also do chemical tests on that to learn mm-hmm. that so that we will keep things in, things in balance for that. Um, Desario uh, was a very interesting person to me, and uh, um, she helped me also be uh, guided by the plant life, the animal life that was in that river and should be in that one. I want to develop a group of students, a great, a great touring of uh, uh, program and a great educational program so they can be a part of the continuation of the historic nature of Milton. We don't want to lose that. That's yeah. our God-given well, yeah. gift will. To Let me jump in with another question here. I'm sorry, go ahead. Nature. Yeah. 
Um, oh, I got a lot. I got a ton of questions here. I want to see if I can get to a, a few of them, but this is right. great because I, I, lo- I love uh, I love hearing what you have to say. Do you think there should be any kind of a sanctuary or a wildlife preserve or any kind of uh, uh, protections along the shorelines, or do we already have protections along the shorelines that I don't know about of the Blackwater River? You know, in the areas uh, north and south of Milton. Right. Well, we surely should have protection for them. Okay. Uh, like I said, so that we can keep that population. Uh, as a matter of fact, she had mentioned to me, too, that there were some dolphins in there, and there were other uh, organisms that were uh, that was at home, too. So we need to uh, put in place mm-hmm. a plan to protect those organisms so that we can still uh, attract businesses. And uh, to our and people to the great city of Milton. Yeah, yeah. Let's ask the big question: two lanes versus four lanes. What? Uh, where do you stand, and what? What can you do to advocate your position? Okay. This is Caroline uh, the Street. Four, la- four lanes uh, going through historic downtown Milton would absolutely hurt my heart. Uh, we we need to find another way. Uh, to uh, I, I'd rather keep it like that. I, I've looked at some plans with roundabouts and all of this so people can walk around in the city and enjoy uh, the essence of the historic nature. And and we, we need another bridge that would move people uh, not uh, in another direction so that we can not force that falling in down that because that's going to actually kill the sense and it of the integrity of that historic district. We don't need to do that. I want to hmm. fight that we not falling so that yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I've I've been with that since the beginning. Um, how about trucks? Um, one of the managers, former managers of the Amaging Theater, uh, explained to me that whenever a large truck goes through, a tiny little bit of the mortar, you know, the the cement that holds the bricks together on the Amaging, you can see little piles of dust in the inside of the building. I've seen it. Uh, every time mm-hmm. a major truck goes through, and we're talking what sometimes a thousand a day or some ridiculous number. I'm, that might be wrong, uh, but there's a lot of trucks that go right. through. Would you be in favor of of limiting trucks to only those that have a delivery downtown? Maybe they can bypass, maybe they can go to I-10 uh, or, or go around the city of Milton. What do you think? I would, that is correct. I would support okay. that idea very well because we know that uh, you continue to have that much traffic, heavy traffic. You are eroding the fabric uh, of that stability, uh, the path that we have now. So we we need to do some rerouting of okay. traffic other way. Yeah. Well, my idea um, is what I call green light afternoons. So I figure if you can move traffic more efficiently, the folks that only see Milton as a place to drive through rather than to, back I had a bumper sticker idea, you know, Milton, <laughs> drive to, not through. <laughs> you know, but, um, but the I point is if you that. can move traffic, you know, we've got traffic cameras now, but even those are going to restrict the light. So I had an idea. Uh, tell me what you think of this. To actually have what I call green light afternoons. So for 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, whatever uh, the engineers come up with, you literally leave the lights green on, on Caroline Street. So there's no stopping. You know, you just kind of everybody kind of cruises right through during this really critical time in the afternoons because that's really the only time there's that much traffic. People are willing to put a, a four lanes of, of road 
for basically an hour <laughs> of traffic on a weekday. That to me is irrational. That to me is insane. Anyway, so mm-hmm. this was an idea I had, and you wouldn't have to change anything. You just you just change the lights. And those folks that want to, uh, you know, travel onto it, you just take the side street, take the routes. You know, if you're coming down Willing off um, Berry Hill, this is really local stuff for those folks who are listening nationally. Uh, make a right turn only. You know, and it would just be just in that critical time in the afternoon. So you just leave the lights green on Caroline, put flashing red lights on the on the next on the three intersections, you know, Willing, Elmira, and uh, Canal, and that way people could go through pretty efficiently. And you, would, I'll bet you, you could move traffic uh, so efficiently that this any thought of a four lane would disappear if you could really regulate the green lights, even beyond what the traffic cameras are doing. So what do you think of, of a steady green for a certain amount of time versus the traffic cameras? Our new myovision. Um, yeah. yeah. What do you think of those? That Which my... Okay. Yeah. Right. I like that. That was my chance. And, and actually, you know, I believe in the historic research there, uh, there were other roads that would bring you out anyway. And okay. uh, from years ago. I mean, but that's, that's a great thing with the uh, green light. I mean, with the light, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, happen control that traffic and uh, move it through, and also make a route so those big trucks can go around another way. Yeah, it's called I ten. <laughs> We've already got one. Um, <laughs> I like that, you... and you're right. And it's yeah. only like the, the afternoon traffic because I hate to yeah. get stuck when I'm coming from point A to point B in all of that traffic, and then everybody else is frustrated, and everybody else also blocked those, uh, the roads there, and they should not block that. You got to squeeze through. We're trying to find paths uh, uh, to move it. So that certainly would be a plan. I would, I could put something like that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Do you, Do you have a concern that I have? Um, the the myovision cameras. See, I like the idea of a steady green light for a certain amount of time. But if the traffic cameras are helping, then that's a good idea. But I read their privacy statement, and there's an awful lot of of, uh, uh, of things that they do. They record licenses, they photograph. There's biometric stuff. There's a, if you look at the privacy yeah. statement of myovision, it's rather extensive. Do you see as I see that that's 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 almost a, a government invasion of privacy beyond just regulating traffic? If those cameras only regulate traffic, I'd be fine. But why do they have this disclaimer, this huge privacy statement, and how much information are they collecting on the movements of, of people? people through Milton with these traffic cams and, of course, the rest of the state, too. What do you think? Yeah, that's true. We we don't want to get to the point that we're invading and violating a privacy issue okay. there. You know, we're collecting other data uh, that could be harmful, and therefore that could be uh, a problem, you know, uh, in that solution. Okay. Moving traffic. Yeah. Well, like I can say, I, I want to try and solve the, the traffic issue for those folks. Uh, as much as I say, go around, change your schedule, things like that. But, you know, if we can do it simply by just simply changing the timing on the traffic lights, then that, uh, that would answer that. All right. Let's get to uh, yeah. your, your predecessor made a statement when she was on, uh, Heather Lindsay, um, when she was on the show. And, it, you know, kudos for, for her for coming on because we obviously disagree on a lot, of, a lot of the issues, but that doesn't mean we have to be mm-hmm. disagreeable about it. So if she wants to come back, uh, Phil, Heather Lindsay, feel free to come back to the show. But she made a statement that absolutely uh, stunned me 
when we're talking about COVID, COVID mandates, mask mandates, uh, social distance, you know, school closures, things like that. And the guidelines came down from the CDC. And Governor DeSantis was not, quite honestly, he wasn't the best on this at first. He had the stay at home, the safer at home program. He had some other things. Now, he changed very quickly. But for a while there, he was, one of the, he was going to be one of the more restrictive governors. And Heather Lindsay said, you know, she wanted the mask mandates and some of the other things. She says, I'm just following the chain of command. I found that fascinating. Where do you see Milton? Is there a chain of command? Where do you see us in terms of guidelines from the CDC, um, recommendations or even orders from the, the governor or the Surgeon General as mayor? Okay. Well, I was there during that time as city council. Okay. And some of the decisions that she was trying to push, actually, I think she extended um, – what she should have been, and uh, you know, here again, I want to be respectful for all, but it was quite irritating too when she can. Uh, it's something wrong, and we should provide information to our citizens, you know, uh, so that they will know what's going on. But we mm-hmm. should not be dictators and demanding that they wear masks or demanding. And these businesses close, um, uh, you know, we do need to be helpful, but I wouldn't go to that point to do that because we are individuals. Uh, we we do have a nervous system, a brain, and mm-hmm. we do have rights. So, uh, you know, give me the information, but let me decide individually if I want to wear a mask or not. And I didn't wear it much <clears throat> at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, even now I still see people wearing these masks and all of that. And, and it's okay if they like that. But, you know, I'm with... Don't take my rights away. Let, okay. let me make a decision on that. And if it's uh, a harmful decision for me, then... I too would perish, but apparently would not. Did not like she went to CNN talking about us. I thought that was very disrespectful. And she had gone past her mayoral duties, in my opinion, uh, as I see often, and created tension and problems within that council. Disrespected also managers part and disrespected the ordinance. You know, uh, 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 the city ordinance, uh, I think, and I won't do that because I do know, uh, you know, the citizens are to participate, collect data, and to listen. But it's not my decision to be hardcore on them, uh, disrespectful to the manager, the city council. I will always respect them. I'm there pretty much to lead and to guide discussions to a conclusion that will, everybody can live together, if you will. And uh, I, I didn't like what she did there. And, and okay. don't take away my rights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what this whole show is about. So, yeah, you're, you're among friends here. Well, let's, let's give a scenario. Let's say that um, – 
60% of the people uh, started, uh, there was a poll taken, 60% of, of Milton residents wanted a mask mandate and 40% said no. Um, as mayor, how would you come down on that? So, so the popular will, you know, says we want this. Uh, now what do you do? Right. Uh, I would certainly, uh, as the mayor, uh, I would uh, cause them, I have them to reflect back on their rights and 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 uh, their constitutional rights mm-hmm. that should not be taken away and to reflect back on what my duties should be. And I would not stand. I would sort of help them realize, open your eyes, you do have a right. You don't have to do this. Hmm. And uh, the education is the key. So I should be up on all of these things that would not restrict rights of the citizens. But certainly, as I know, as we were growing up, we had to take mumps and measles and every other kind of shot mm-hmm. uh, as a community type thing. But once again, parents and everybody else had rights. Some of them didn't take the kids to do that or whichever. But I can't ever remember that being forced on us. From well, it is in the schools now. They have. Uh, well, here's a question for you. I'm sorry, I'm say that again. I want to make sorry. sure. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Finish your statement, then I'll, uh, I got a question. We, no, we tend to jump on each other a lot here. Right. That office to do that. Well, the CDC has mm-hmm. issued uh, they put uh, the COVID vaccine, which is not a vaccine, it's a messenger RNA gene shot. Uh, we call it the snake oil jab around here. <laughs> we use a lot of ner- terms that no one else seems to be using. But anyway, uh, the CDC put it on the list for school uh, schools to require this before kids can go to school. Now, still a guideline because mm-hmm. the CDC does, is not a regulatory agency. Uh, in fact, their, their authority comes from the, uh, the Commerce Clause. Most people don't know that. They're not a health-related, they are a commerce uh, related, um, I guess, I'm not sure what they are because they're not a regulatory agency. So the thing is, now that they've done that, are you going to be working with the school board on this? Are you going to recommend that uh, schools actually add this to the list? And, I, you know, I don't see Florida doing that, so I think you're in pretty good shape. But um, where, where do you stand on, on the idea of adding COVID shots to the list of, of vaccines before kids can go to the government schools? Uh, no, I, I'm not. Don't, I, I, I won't support that, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. And COVID shots and all of this have not been in populate uh, long enough to find the adverse effects. And there have been quite a few. I mean, been a lot of folks died. They could have died from the shots, you know. Uh, well, we've covered that. But I, I'm not going to work the yeah. force mm-hmm. school system to, to do that. Um, I do. I came out of the school system. I worked with them. But mm-hmm. once again, I want to try to work with them to open their eyes so that we can limit some of these mandates. Uh, there are a lot of things that I, I like about Governor DeSantis. He's not afraid to step out to look mm-hmm. at that and yeah. see that in terms of that. Because, you know, uh, that's a controlling system situation and we 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 should not have those tight controls yeah 
Do you, as mayor, do you work with the school board? Are you completely separate entities? And that includes the, the, the county commissioners, too. Where, where's the interface between the city of Milton as mayor, uh, the school board, and the, and the county commission? Right. Uh, certainly, we should work with each other. Okay. Um, I, I just wanted to do some stuff. I'm on uh, head of a league committee, uh, which involved developing a student a government body, which they need to begin now learning about the city and and policies and, and things like that. But uh, I think that um, with the school system, I, I did have – uh, uh, the superintendent on our committee, Leadership Education Activities Committee. Um, well, lately I've been reading she's not on there when she got to be the uh, superintendent, but uh, I've been reading stuff about the audit and it didn't look too good on our leadership. But uh, I'm saying I want to work with the school system in terms of of our city schools that's within that purview. I want to develop after-school tutorial programs to help those students, because I was really sad the other day to find out Milton High School had fallen to a Title I school. What's that? Milton I'm not familiar. I have a strong academic background. All mm-hmm. students I've seen all of these categories of students performing high science technical skills. But we got to work with those students within our our school district, Milton School District, to Uh help them achieve and just not leave all that stuff to the school board because they have a lot of policies that need to be updated and changed. And whatever we can do, I can do as a mayor to go with them, work with them, ask questions about this or why is this, then I'll do that. The county commissioners also, I've involved some of them from time to time in work as I want to develop this tutorial center. And Mm -hmm. in particular, uh, Bob uh, Cole has worked very well in terms of uh, technology. You know, it changes from day to day. But it is good they still had some technology uh, equipment that we could have utilized while, you know, finding funds to get updated technology. So we got to realize that we are advancing, the students are, the students will get bored to death, you know, uh, without all of this technology. As a matter of fact, during that ghost walk, Several of my students came through that was either in the bar or Pace, and they reminded, we remember you, Ms. Johnson. You were (laughs) always talking historical stuff, and I was also talking with them about other things of of this world that probably existed. You know, we're not the only ones living here. Uh, UFOs, I did this to stimulate to motivate them to get their thoughts, to move them to higher order thinking skills. And uh, that's some of the stuff with a tutorial program to help out, you know, 
Well, I got an idea. <laughs> I just had an idea while we were talking here. You should put a, get one of those uh, reflector telescopes. I don't know how strong the, the Imogene roof is, but if you get the roof of the Imogene, yeah. you could probably do uh, astronomy uh, watchings right from up there. Hey, let me ask you about the Imogene yeah. and, um, and the, the courthouse across the street, because I, you know, I have a lot of ideas, as you Good probably one. noticed. <laughs> Go ahead. You like that idea? Good okay. one. Yeah. I'll well, do here's that. My... As a matter of fact. When that uh, building is all torn down now, that uh, courthouse, there uh-huh. should be a site in there for students, a uh, uh, student observation, a little student cultural art center, should be a little museum, specialty shops, uh, things like that, uh, that would also help them be creative. Uh, we need to get them out of SABC. They need to then move to the highest levels of learning, and we need to all work together. But going back to Bob Cole, even mm-hmm. with the technology, I noticed with Berry Hill School, all Berry Hill School, that I believe that might have been, that was a city structure. I noticed that the World War One vets, they had put a little marker in the trees I had read to honor them. Well, those trees grew up, didn't find, didn't know where it was, but I worked with Bob Cole, and we pulled all of that out to identify, uh, not the markers, they weren't there anymore, but the materials, and we placed a monument in the mill site park at Baghdad, which most of them came from Baghdad area, on the lumber building and the ship uh, uh, building business. And, uh, you know, we listed their names and gave them a plate so when people come by, they can look at that. Pretty much so like the memorial downtown, but it's just, a, you know, a small framework to honor that. So uh, we work with them. Uh, we, we work with them on sewage treatment and making room for all these people that want to come to Milton. That ought to let's tell talk about that. Something. Yeah. We are let's, let's, a great spot. They want to yeah. come. Therefore, we should do what we can to make the roads safer, uh, uh, make uh, the path of moving back and forth to that interstate better, uh, and, they, and then to move that sewage. And we need to do what exactly we're doing now, uh, moving that plant, getting help, working with state legislators as well in terms of that. We all to need to be together on one accord in doing that. So we're talking about a sewage treatment plant? Where, where's that supposed to go? Or is it going? What's the status uh, on that? Yeah, the plant is, is moving from Milton and uh, more in the East Milton area, back in that area, uh, Munson toward, you know, uh, which uh, area. Uh, is it on the Blackwater? Well, where is it going to be? Yeah. Where is it going to be? So it's the on the river, right? Uh, in the exact location, I have not actually been to that site, but okay. where it's going to be, it's a lot of rumbling full terrors in this, and it shouldn't be there. But it should be uh, in a, uh, I believe now we've got some land from the county commissioners that we can uh, develop a stable environment with the flow 
and all of this, but we, we got a lot of hecklers there uh, because of one thing or another. And one was that well, cemetery. Well, somewhere. <laughs> so we just got to go somewhere. somewhere. So, yeah. Well, we yeah, got to yeah, get yeah. out of here because it's yeah. too, it's not, we don't have enough capacity. Yeah. So, and we need well, to move it in more of an uphill situation. Yes. Yeah, let me see if I can squeak another couple of questions here uh, before we get to the top of the hour. Uh, growth in general. Now, I know this is the city of Milton and the county commissioners uh, versus the county of Santa Rosa, but I see just a huge amount of growth, and it doesn't seem to be particularly well planned. Should we have a better plan? Should we hold off on, on growth until we have a better handle on what's going on and how to project our infrastructure? What do you see five years, 10 years? How would you like to structure uh, any kind of growth management? Uh, working with the county commission for Santa Rosa County and the city of Milton? Well, certainly they need to be uh, uh, close partners in terms of that Um, because the growth is is, rapidly growing, the population is, and we need to have ongoing discussions and projects that would accommodate that, uh, that growth already you know, in little in incremental steps. We just can't wait until boom, it's here. Then you go trying to build this, build a, a plant in. But we got to be well coordinated, and uh, have almost have a, a person which could be the city manager, and and right now it's functioning there, or have mm-hmm. a position uh, with the city that's always in touch with reality and report back to us about progress uh, of population, uh, 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 the uh, size plant should be, where it should be, and uh, uh, moving pipes all under the ground, everywhere else to try to help out. But it should be a key person uh, that, that works with these agencies we should have one. Okay. Thomas should have one. Yeah. No, good. I, this is interesting. Uh, we've got a few minutes left here. Let me just open up to you. Have, is there any topic that you wanted to talk about that I didn't get to? Anything you want to bring up? Any position? Any any anything? anything? So I'm going to turn it over to you um, to cover anything that we should have covered that we didn't get to this first uh, first part of the hour here. Uh No, other than just to say we need to keep evaluating what we have, uh, keep uh, the population always in mind. Um, we need to, what, what I like too, in terms of our police force, um, we need to continue to work with them. I love the relationship or the relationship should be better between uh, the county police force or the sheriff's department and the city department. I I knew, I mean, I just love what Bob Johnson is doing. They're closer to where all those people are passing through on the interstate, and they're doing their job. They're working. Uh, we, we just need to keep that closer relationship so that we can uh, continue to be safe have data that we share between each other so uh, we can keep all these people out of here that want to come in and, and, and bring all these drugs and, and kill people 
or we should also, that's another measure we need to work with the school board on that too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's talk about that students. because this is, this is a great topic to sort of end up here. Illegal aliens. Um, yeah, the, at the federal level, they're useless. They're, they're, they're actually, you know, trafficking in illegal aliens. So we've got fentanyl coming in. We've got illegal aliens who are coming into our county uh, and into our city. Yes, and right. they're in our school system. So my question for you is, at the local level, at the local level, what can you do to make it impossible for illegal aliens to stay in the city of Milton or even working with the county, uh, the county of Santa Rosa? Well, we certainly need communications, open communication between all of those agencies. Yeah, we got all these illegal agencies coming in. We don't like that. I don't like that uh, because they are bringing all of these harmful drugs in for the students. Uh, we got to wake their parents up and, and uh, so that they will be asking the questions. We need to hear from the citizens to see what it is that they would like and we can have. But we need not to have those people coming in here uh, and be out there vigilant so we can turn them around. We don't want them to come to school and all that stuff. And you know what I do? I look at staff report every day and I see all these people West coming from Thank you, Bob Johnson. Yeah, your line's getting quiet on us here. It's uh, Mary, it's a little hard to hear you, so I don't know if your your battery's going or you get further from the phone. I want to get you back. Also, Bob Johnson is our county sheriff, uh, so if anybody wants to know uh, the reference there, because, like I said, we have a lot of folks around the country. Um, I, I'll just keep you until, if you have a couple more minutes, until uh, Jonathan Mosley, our, our legal reporter, calls in. But uh, anything else that we should have covered? Any other issues that are uh, prominent that you want to discuss? Uh, no, uh, I don't think so, but we we should continue to be grant writers. I've written many grants. For uh, what? Uh, 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 many grants, historic grants, and okay. uh, expand historic district, and uh, just utilize, uh, be very skillful and knowledgeable in that, so that we can continue to get other sources of monies in, uh, so that we won't have to burden the taxpayers as much I agree. but as we uh yeah well, i'm sorry go ahead well that's okay no no like i say I, I i am like adhd you know hyperactive like you wouldn't believe so this is why I have, a, I have like i'm jumping on my seat i always have lots of questions let me ask you one more because you mentioned the courthouse now there's uh, i've lived in california and massachusetts and i remember quincy market in boston i remember uh uh the uh, the ferry building in san francisco and also pike place market in seattle uh, these are old historic buildings uh, Faneuil Hall being in Boston, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and so what happened is they would take a historic building and have some kind of agency on it, whether it was a government, a private entity, a uh, foundation, nonprofit, something like that. And they would take these buildings and they would keep the historic building itself. But in it, you'd have, you know, gourmet food places, restaurants, crazy yeah. hat shops, things right. like that, farmer's markets, all right. that. See, I see that for the yeah. courthouse market. And so if I just ask you one more question here, Jonathan's here, so we'll get to him in just a minute. But what would you think, now, is the courthouse, is it going to be demolished and something else built there? Or can we keep the courthouse uh, and put, you know, make it the courthouse market, for example, sort of like a Pike Place market in Seattle, where you have all those things within it. And, of course, right across the street is the Amagene Theater, and around the corner is where we have bands on the Blackwater. So you've got this incredible facility right there that could be a big market. 
so is that possible or do you have to demolish the building? What, what do you think? No, we don't or, have or to demolish the building. Okay. Uh, we don't have to demolish the buildings, but I, when I was talking about some of those buildings, those portable buildings should come from around. They're not stable mm-hmm. enough, and mm-hmm. they should be removed that so we can add, but we can certainly use that landmark. It is in the building. Just stabilize that building. Increase the size, but you're right. It's a, just a great place for those little uh, businesses uh, little uh, uh, specialty shop. I like the market idea, the okay. uh, vegetable market. In fact, we're working this week coming up on my committee with uh, someone that want to come in and, and and have a market, you know, place there eventually. And in the past, we've had small little market places, but we need to do that. And uh, and also that's going to encourage. Our students and and our older ones and everybody else to get back to the love of nature and to appreciate that, and the architects, engineers to look at the lay of the land, and and let's let's make it possible so that can be complementary to the beautiful Blackwater River. Yeah, and let's have a national act each week in the imaging. <laughs> It's the most incredible theater. Um, I gotta oh, let you yeah. go, but uh, but thank you very okay. much. And let's get your your contact information, how people can reach you, get more information, and then I'm gonna get to uh, to Jonathan here. Okay. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Oh, same with you. I tell you, I think we can talk all day. I like. Well, you. I know that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk all day. So let me get your contact information. Where do people find out about you? I'm right. Sorry. Okay. But Mary Johnson, my cell phone number is 850-225-1725. Email address is johnson at com, And I live on Barnes Street, 6456 Barnes Street. Well, you might not. Don't give that out. You do realize we are broadcast worldwide. Okay. Don't give all that personal information. So, yeah, so that's why I kind of stepped on your address there. Yeah, uh, probably should have done it with the phone okay. call, but you've already got it uh, in other places, so, I, you know, I did my net. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't give that much information right now, <laughs> just in case. You know, okay. Anyway, yeah, that's okay. No problem. Um, but I just want to make sure of that. All right. So thank you. Uh, so we got your Facebook page. We've got to, do you have a website? Just get that website one more time. Oh, my um, uh, Johnson, Emmy Johnson at AOL.com. Okay, sounds good. Mary, thank you so much. Let's do it again. This is fun. Good luck with the campaign. Oh, we will. Let's do it, let's do it again. All, All right. right. Sounds good. Take care thank now. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're very welcome. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, 
to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. And from the very local politics of Milton, Florida, we go to uh, national politics with our, our legal reporter, Jonathan Mosley. And uh, I'm sure, sorry for a little bit of delay there. I just want to make sure that uh, Mary got her information and not too much information, you know, unless she gets a visitor from Azerbaijan or, you know, Iceland. <laughs> we, we broadcast a lot of places. It's kind of funny. Anyway, sir, we, how you we, doing? We're, te- we're always tempted to get off topic here. My, oh, yes, um, we do. But... Uh, <laughs> I know a reporter from CBN News, which is broadcast worldwide, who oh. got a marriage proposal from the Philippines. Wow. Um, just because they saw her, you know, someone she'd never met. They saw her on the, uh, he, he saw her on, uh, <clears throat> on, uh, on the TV and said, what the heck, give it a try. Exactly. Um, well, anyway, worldwide, so, uh, everything's worldwide. I mean, legal theory, we talk about things here and it goes worldwide, literally. And so the things that we talk about, the freedoms yeah. that we talk about, especially in countries, you know, of course, there is no on topic on extra radio. We, you know, but Australia, Canada and England are, are booming an audience right now. Um, the United States share is, is dropping right. of our overall audience, which is which is fabulous. So, yeah. So we're reaching out. Well, you know, I got an interview from. Uh, Russia today during right right after the election when oh. there was a contest and one of the interesting questions that they wanted to know you know from their perspective was will there be a president on January 20th in the United States and like what an interesting perspective that there were yeah. that, that uh, our system is very robust so that somebody will be president it might be the wrong person but there will be somebody who's the president. Well, actually, and in, in terms worried. of what's going on, they were right. We don't have a president. We have a coup. We, well, we have a we have the government that picked the government. We technically, for the first time in history, do not have a lawful president in the White House. Right, but that's not what they meant. Was it what they meant? Was it would would, would there be would there be nobody you know in the office and um, and what was this from? But it's from, just interesting this, that when, the, when did they ask? This well, the, the reason I bring it up, yeah. The reason we, I bring it up is just that um, people around the world want to know what's going on here, and yeah. it, it affects them, and and things that we would take for granted, um, they, uh, you know, might want to hear about. So um, uh, that's an interesting thing. So a- anyway, so what we've got is that um, is that uh, I'm going to in order to, to avoid whipsawing from local to national let me transition by saying that just uh about uh 12 minutes before nine i i emailed off my edits to uh an election contest for laura loomer in florida's 11th congressional district okay um i've said before that now you know there's a group of people working on that some wonderful election integrity people in florida um there's an acronym and you know i'm not good at those things um, but um, the thing is, is that uh, this is the second amended complaint. I've mentioned before that election <laughs> lawsuits and contests are almost impossible because of the timetable. There's just no way to to do it. Um, so you pretty much all you can do is is use the occasion to to raise the issues. You can't really there isn't really time, in my opinion. I'm not 
speaking for anybody else, but in my opinion, there's just no time after an election to really meaningfully correct errors. But you can make it, you can make people squirm and make it uncomfortable enough. I had to go out for coffee. Sorry for the traffic noise here. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, the, um, we're live radio. People, people just carry on normal lives. We but you, uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. When when I when I call when I when I used to live in Woodbridge, Virginia, I sometimes mentioned here and on other radio stations that it appeared Washington D.C. was still there. No uh, clear mushroom clouds yet. Um, but um, you know, yeah. so we talk about live radio. So, anyway, so the thing is, is that apparently what some of the things that happened in the Florida 11th congressional district um, mm-hmm. uh, election are really serious, and they're not supposition, they're not theory, they're not like conspiracy theories. Because every month, the Florida Secretary, the Florida Department of State issues a data disk, so you can you can look month by month how the voter registration data is changing. Mm-hmm. It's not a question of maybe. It's right there. It's official. It's from the government. And it shows that thousands and thousands of people had their voter registration flipped to, I, I hope this is, a, well, I guess if I had, a, you know, I hope nobody's in trouble there, but it's a lot of noise. So, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, so the thing is they changed their address to, and it, so the ballot, and people requested ballots to undeliverable addresses, mm-hmm. and yet they voted. Yep. So thousands, you know, at least 7,000 people in just, I think, one county voted um, with by mail who could not have received their ballots. They didn't receive ballots because it was reported as undeliverable, so but how they, they voted the anyway. So this is ballot harvesting. So I'm thinking that's, that's, if, what, if that's, you... that's exactly the question. Well, I got an um, answer. They, they I got an idea. I got an idea to run by you here. So, if you if you if you if you post if you say that your address is this and you know undeliverable, undeliverables go back to the post office. All you have to do is go to the post office and say, "Do you have any deliveries for you know address X? You know the undeliverable. Oh yeah, we got a bunch of them here. We got about uh, three hundred. Oh, great, thanks. I'll take those. You know, here's my ID. <laughs> or even, I'll just I'll take those. I mean, who knows if they're even checking ID? That's how you could do it. It'd be that simple. Well, for example, there's a whole there's a whole experience. It's just one example where a whole bunch of addresses were changed to Red Belly Lane. There is no Red Belly Lane. Red Belly Lane. That's code. That that's leftist code for Republicans, even though red is a socialist. I color. believe it is. And yeah. uh, Red Belly Lane. But then, oh, that's but funny. What what made it even even more interesting though is that uh-huh. when uh, is that after the ballots were received in mm-hmm. one form or another, the addresses were flipped back again. <laughs> to cover the track. So it wasn't See, an mail error. Or, uh, mail, again, mail order balloting is like, you know, mail, mail balloting, balloting should not take place. I don't mind early voting as long as you vote in the place. It's just like a just like election day. So I don't mind early voting as long as you go to the place and the ballots are counted where they're cast. God, don't have a problem with that. But may, ballots should never right. travel by mail. The minute you break that chain of custody, especially when you consider the fact that most postal workers are, are Democrats and union members, you know, and uh, they don't want <laughs> they don't want any Trump stuff, which is too bad, even though Trump made their lives better, you know. But uh, no, you cannot send you know ballots through the mail. That's insane. Right. So the whole well, that, are so you in contact? What, are you in contact with Laura? Laura, because I've tried to reach her, or I've tried to uh, we've emailed a little bit, but I have I've been trying to get her on the show for months. Okay, that shouldn't be hard. Um, uh, the um, 
Like now I say, I'm not the lead contact or anything like that, but I was just asked okay. as a there's a coalition of a Florida attorney and Florida analysts and mm-hmm. some other other attorneys are working on it, and they just sort of uh, pawned off and said, "Do you want to you know review this?" And because mm-hmm. um, uh, they had a they had a motion to dismiss, and so uh, you know that that shouldn't be too difficult to. Uh, although something well, happened with her. No, I guess it's Laura Logan just got banned. Uh, Lara, um, Lara Logan, who's an awesome reporter, you I know, know. really I've, used I've to be a mainstream stuff. reporter until she was mm-hmm. harassed in, I think, Afghanistan or something like she's that. She was raped. No, she, um, was, she was raped uh, over there. I mean, she, yeah. she is serious. But I mean, uh, she was, she was against her. wasn't yeah. she like a CBS News reporter or something? Uh-huh. Yep. She's a regular reporter and then yeah, uh, I mean, put in a horrible place and a horrible thing happened to her. And uh, I don't know if anything was ever done because it was over in Afghanistan or someplace. Yeah. So you can't say she's some fringe, you know, uh, right wing, whatever they call us. She was like mainstream, you know, CBS mm-hmm. reporter. And then she Until. encountered reality. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so, so yeah, Laura Lumer, but the thing is, so here's the thing. Now, Daniel Webster, I guess, won the nomination and will almost certainly win um, the general given that district. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't have any reason to think that he was part of it. You know, it, it, you can understand why a lot of people would hate Laura Loomer um, because they're leftists, not because they're working with Webster. Okay, um, that makes sense. But Webster's, but Webster's lawyers, this is their job, you know, tried to poke holes in it. And their argument is that the Florida legislature has only provided uh, an ability or a requirement to check signatures. That's it. So if the signatures match, whatever that means, then the ballot has to count. Yeah. I mean, what does it what does it mean that the signature, signatures match? You know, have you ever have you ever stood outside a bank holding a checkbook in your hand and and signed? You know, your my signature. Let me just make it for me. Changes depending on whether I'm sitting neatly at a desk and writing a neat signature, or whether I'm, you know, writing something on you know signing something on the dashboard of my car or you know whatever so my signature is not going to match from one moment to the next what and and how how do you these are not trained fbi document examine examiners doing you know doing the this work yeah so if if they dismiss the lawsuit and they're they're challenging it that florida has said thanks to your legislatures that if the signatures you know if the if the if the signatures appear to match, which for which there are no standards, then the ballot has to count. What if the same forger forged twice? Of course they're going to match. <laughs> they're going to match a lot of other signatures yes. too. You know, so that doesn't mean. I also I wonder to, if they can know. if they can hack into the voter registration system, couldn't mm-hmm. they change the image in there? Well, see, I don't know if the that's where the signatures had, are kept. Uh, we had a big stir with this in, in, in Santa Rosa County here in Florida because we have these DS, DM or DS200 machines. And apparently they have the capacity to be able to connect to the Internet because they transfer data from, uh, from the polling place to the central elections office. But that, you can't do that. So we, we, get, we get rid of these well, things. They're, they're no good. We have optical scanners and the results should be transmitted. You know, give them a phone call. <laughs> you know, you want to transfer information? You want to transfer numbers? Call them up. But the ballot should not move and they should be counted where cast. And this is just you know, you know, actually, anything else I, is vote you know, fraud. You know, the decades fly by, but it was like t- maybe 20 years ago when I was 
working at a mm-hmm. not not vol- I mean yes I've I've volunteered to watch but I was actually working as a election person I saw the formality of doing it right and it was exactly like that they would you know they would actually check how many people voted like oh my god you know so they we have to account for every person who is physically there and it better not be more or less um and they went through all this stuff and then when they were done they called them in mm-hmm. they you know that's uh so the thing is is we we know how to do it right but we don't want to do it right um we as a society dominated by democrats and the, and of course it was florida who horrified the nation and was horribly embarrassed during the 2000 Bush v. Gore thing and the hanging chads, and they mm-hmm. vowed never again. Well, what did they do? They got, they went worse. The nation did. I mean, the whole nation said we have we can't use machines. We have to use paper paper ballots. Um, no more machines. No more punch cards. Um, we're going to do it the right way from now on. And what did they do? After a few years, they went way off in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So can I, uh, we, we tend to get distracted with the short opening things, but shall we talk? Go, go, for, go talk for the most important thing. Always yeah, start with I'll, the most I'll, important I'll story. Admit, <laughs> we'll never get there. <laughs> yeah, but then we'll never, I'll admit my own guilt in that. But, but okay. so let's talk about Trump uh, testifying. You yes. think so? Love it. So this is interesting. So the, uh, the, Janu- the uh, U.S. House of Representatives Select Committee for making stuff up about January 6th. Has subpoenaed, um, has subpoenaed um, Donald Trump both to provide records and to provide by, by November 4th and to testify mm-hmm. behind closed doors. Well, yeah, I think that, I think Liz Cheney has said that, but I think that that is what their normal rules would say is, <clears throat> you know, on November 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, this is. <laughs> Remember the Star Wars moment. It's a trap. Um, this is this, of course, is a tra- is a trap. Princess um, Cinnamon Bun. The, um, yeah, exactly. Princess Cinnamon. What? Princess Cinnamon. Remember the cinnamon buns she had on her hair? That's what they look like. Cinnamon buns. Don't, I'm just digressing. Think, yeah. Oh, uh, oh. Okay. No, but this one was actually the 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 the, the fish. Oh, the fish. Yeah, oh, the, okay. the one. So we're thinking of two me, different times. I don't, I don't remember the fish one. Oh, the, the Star Wars. <laughs> the Star Wars team were famous for repeating stuff. They, they, oh. they got it like the idea that like somebody just came out with like, I have a bad feeling about this. And, and everybody at one point or another, everybody in the Star Wars uh, movie. They all started saying it. Or, or you assume yeah, too much. Just, that was another big one. Yeah. Force is not Listen, strong I, with them. They, can't that, say the same, they keep saying the same things over again. Mm. Repeating themselves they are. Mm. Sorry. I channel Yoda. There you go. Time. Yeah. So, but it's just, it's just <laughs> funny that everybody... Everybody said, you know, they, they arranged for every major character to say I have a bad feeling about this as if they were saying it for the first time mm-hmm. and it had never been said before. But yep. it was like this repeating refrain. Um, so anyway, so it's a trap. And I would love to try to get a guy to send this, this recording to Trump's lawyers. Um, I repeat the thing I keep saying is that... <clears throat> You know, never underestimate the the ability of 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 anyone's lawyers, but especially Trump's lawyers, in a political contest to screw things up. And mm-hmm. I keep saying that these kinds of this kind of situation is is just not what lawyers do. This is outside the universe of what most lawyers do. And so, 
it just makes it even more uh, bad that they are, we will probably screw it up. Um, but, um, but the thing is, so here, here we, let's, let's start with the fact that, um, so in any situation like this, there is a massive request for documents. It's an mm-hmm. open-ended phishing expedition. Like they want all communications between Trump and the Proud Boys or Oath Keepers. Um, they want all kinds of things that almost certainly don't exist. And that's normal for document requests. <clears throat> it's there, you know, everybody screams, this is a fishing expedition. And the court mm-hmm. says, yeah, it's a fishing expedition, but that's, but that's okay. Um, it's our so fishing expedition. <laughs> it's the government's fishing right, so expedition. Right, so, so they're, they're okay. saying yeah. a couple of days ago to November 4th, that's about 15 days. Uh-huh. Now, they, they said that they were going to, you know, they voted to issue a subpoena. Then they said that they didn't know how to serve it on him, which is ridiculous. But the truth, I'm I'm sure the truth is, is that writing up the document request is difficult work. So the staff was, it wasn't that they didn't, I'm sure it wasn't that they didn't know how to um, subpoena him. It was because the the, the staff was writing up very particular, you know, very well written because you've got to write them so that the the person can't squirm out of them. Um, And you know, try to cover it. So it, it takes a lot of work to come up with a document request. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not unusual to give 21 days, 28 days, 30 days for someone to respond to the document request. But it's also not unusual at all to come back and say, hey, I can't do that in that amount of time. I need more time. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's normally, and in particular here, you know, they say, well, we're about to go out of business on January 3rd. Well, why didn't, you know, that's not our problem. You know, what is it? You know, you're, the signs in stores saying, you know, your lack of planning is not my problem. <laughs> um, so, so if the select committee Clinton, waited until the last. capitalized businesses. Yeah, that's the, that's, that shouldn't be a, that's not our problem. If you can't yeah, pay your taxes. So, so yeah. the fact okay. that they waited until the last minute, it's like, well, right. why is that our problem? Yeah. Um, you knew, you knew from day one, you were going to do this. Why did you wait mm-hmm. until now? And you could say, well, then he should have been, Getting ready. No, the details of the document request, like I said, are very specific mm-hmm. and very particular. And while he might have a general idea about how to, you know, what kinds of things they're going to ask for, um, you really don't know until you see. And one of, one of the things, like, you know, I, I fault lawyers for their wait and see attitude, um, mm-hmm. which basically means planning to lose. Um, <laughs> like, well, we, let's not do anything until we know exactly. Well, yeah. you know, because. Because in life, doing just enough means doing too little. If you aim to do just enough, you're going to it's, you're going to fall short and you're going to fail. It's just part of life. You know, I don't know. It's a rule of the universe. Is that if you if you aim to calibrate it exactly precisely to the minimum, you will be below the minimum in reality. So anyway, so they um, so but but one of the times when it's probably a good thing is. You read the document request carefully. You don't give them stuff they didn't ask for. Now, I've gotten in trouble in ways that it was just completely improper, where people say, like, oh, you didn't give us this. Yeah, you didn't ask for it. But technically mm-hmm. speaking, that's what you're supposed to do. You only... So the thing is, is that Trump really couldn't have started doing this before. So if it was a court, he could go to the judge and say, I can't do it by November 4th. And, you know, I will, uh, you know, and there's a, see, this is the problem 
That's right before the With election. Bannon's lawyers. It's four days before the election. Well, yeah. Well, the, right. And and it's enough time for for them to rifle through it and try to, you know, cherry pick things and, and announce things, whatever. But the thing between fourth and eighth. Um, but the yes, the Friday. But the, the thing is, the that's where. Yeah. Okay. But that's where the select committee is not is, is violating the rules. There's well, nobody there. Committee. They're, they're not even legal committees. Right. Can, can that be challenged by Trump's lawyers? They should. So anyway, you guys can, you don't I have will. any Republicans. Sure, but... you're, not, you're not procedurally correct. You're not allowing witnesses. You're not allowing cross-examination. You know, all you're doing is, is an infomercial. Are, but, but the courts are not listening to that because, you know, okay. in part because they're saying, well, that's none of our, you know, that's, it's, we can't tell the, the legislative branch how to do its business. Okay. So where are the geldings? Where's the gelding GOP now, then? Why, why haven't they crashed that hearing? You know, of all the people in Congress, you know, why isn't Louis Gohmert and Matt Gaetz, my congressman, and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, why haven't they just walked into the thing and said, we're going to sit here, we're going to be part of this meeting? You can't do this with Republicans. Why don't they just crash it? You know, I think that that most committees routinely are the designated people as a minimum, but there there is sort of a tradition that if if other interested members want to walk in, I think they can. I think but they can too. I remember have... that in my internship, people would walk in occasionally. You know, well, now we're going to hear from the distinguished yeah. senator from Arkansas, you know, or whatever. It, it, yeah, they can do that. So why haven't they? Because they're you know, because they're wimps. Um, the uh, yeah. So building um, um, old party. I mean, he's calling eunuchs, but yeah. I the, did. Um, That's what a gelding so the, is. <laughs> For those that haven't looked it up is, yet. It is, but not everybody. Not everybody will get it. So anyway, that's so the fun of the joke, though. That, <laughs> See who looks it up. Right. Who already knows? So the thing is, so the thing is, is that he's going to have to do this monstrous amount of work. Right. And, and the thing is, it is it is a trap because if you, you know, if you don't do a proper search, mm-hmm. they're going to say, you know, you didn't follow the subpoena because because they're trying to they're trying to put him in the same jail. You know, in the jail cell next to, to Steve Bannon is what they're trying to do. That's why. Well, they're doing that's it by lies. Trap. This is it's like the entrapment lies. It's like they they uh, ask you something that they already know the answer to. That they already have someone saying on on uh, testimony, you know, a year or two previously that nobody can remember exactly what they said. All they have to do is vary one word. So, oh, you lied to us. You said this back here, and you said all of that except for you know these two words. You know, you're lying to us now. It's now you're the Mike Flynn. This is the Mike Flynn prosecution. They just right. they force a lie because nobody that, can remember stuff that well. Yeah, that's why Trump wants to public testify publicly. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> okay, wait for it. <laughs> um, you know, Liz Cheney is concerned that uh, Trump testifying openly would turn it into a circus. <laughs> I know. My, my my answer is. <laughs> Too, it's too late. That's funny. Yeah, too, too late, Liz. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it already a circus. Else. Yeah, well, that was that was the line of the so, um I don't know why people didn't pick up on that. Calling the, the, say the January 6th committee might turn into a certain – first of all, they name it after a date. You know, but secondly, the, the fact that there's been no, you know, cross-examination, no, nothing. You know, and why can't Trump televise, testify uh, publicly? Is there any requirement that it cannot be held on TV? Is that is that a rule? Um, is there a health ethical well, or something or a procedural rule? I think they have their inter, internal procedures by which well, they're on this TV. is the interplay between well, whether TV? the courts what 
They're on TV. No, no, no. If they're on TV, no, 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 no. Um, because the, the vast majority of those uh, uh, of the interviews are behind closed doors. Oh, you know, okay. for example, so when you saw them, they make their when you saw them, right? That's how they make the infomercial. Yeah, right. right because got it. Right. So, so for example, so, you know, um, Stuart Rhodes testified for six hours. Kelly Sorrell testified for several days, and then they take like thirty seconds out of that yeah. and play yeah. it in a public hearing. Yep. And that's yeah. what they want want to avoid. So they have this internal procedure by which mm-hmm. they, um, you know, they start out with a deposition behind closed doors. But, right. but you know, is that legally required? You know, well, no. I mean, none of this is legally required. Like I say, there is nothing, there, there is no power in the Constitution uh, to do any of this. The Congress has no power whatsoever. It is implied that on the whole, if Congress is going to pass legislation, it would be a nice idea if they knew what the hell they were talking about. Yes. So it's implied that they can investigate. But that's why they that's why they created the Library of Congress, which has three massive buildings. And, the, and yep. you know, basically, I think the, the biggest collection of books in the world, they yep. have the, I've been there. the Congressional Research Service. None of that requires compulsion, huh. as we've talked about before, is that, right. you know, can, should congress know what the hell they're talking about before they pass legislation sure and and there's endless numbers of people people who would come and voluntarily talk to them um the lobbyists get paid to do that mm-hmm. but the but the power to force someone to come and talk to it's like you know it's like it's like mom nobody will be my friend force them to be my friend <laughs> um you know to force force people to come talk to them um that's not there, there's no legality to that at all so well, that's you know, at what too, point? There's no subpoena power listed in in the Congress in the Constitution, certainly. Uh, so how do they get people to? You know, and they com- they're, they're compelling testimony for what's basically a political operation. But where do they get subpoena power, or do they have subpoena power? And if they don't have subpoena the, power, the how can you get contempt of court or contempt of Congress then? The, the, the courts have ruled that it's implied. Oh, and and and, and of course, made up. I I and I asked the question. Well, what is implied? That's what <laughs> I'm saying. Okay. If you think that something is implied, what exactly mm-hmm. do you think is implied? Mm-hmm. Is it the is it the the power to inform themselves? Sure. Is it the power to jail people for not, you know, for not not coming and being their friends? No. Um, so, so the thing is, is like, so can can Trump say, I will come testify if I testify publicly? Um, mm-hmm. That that. You know, is there, you know, can, they could say, well, we have this internal process. Uh, we talk to you pri- in private first. Like, well, screw so it's your process. Policy. I don't care about it's your like, process. It's just policy? That's, what, that's their excuse? It's just our policy? It's our procedure? Yes. No, that's not good enough. Right. So, so, here's, so here's what I want Trump's lawyers to do is Trump needs to, Trump needs to pre-record his own version and release Ooh, it publicly. Wait a minute. Um, I got to hold you up because I, I have news. Uh, the folks that got us Peter Navarro uh, are friends of mine. You know, the, the, the man behind the curtain. And so if you want to write something up, get it to me. I'll <laughs> the man it behind to them. the curtain. 
Those who know what I'm talking about know who I'm talking about. But anyway, um, but send me something. Send me an email. I will forward it to them and ask them to forward it to Peter Navarro. Your opinion of their lawyers, all, all this stuff. Just, just get it down. Get it to me. I'll get it to them. Or I'll give you their email. But to make it work, it has to be, it has to be gen- as genuine as possible. There uh-huh. has to be no. like a red team asking him all the questions that would be legitimate, that would be fair, in a uh-huh. way that is fair. Mm-hmm. But so the the committee the committee can't say oh but you just you just made an infomercial you didn't ask the questions that we would should ask. have been done live so that made a live broadcast so you couldn't edit it you could do that um, but but and, and he and they could invite the committee mm-hmm. to send us any questions that you want to send us we'll be sure to ask them. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're going to scream, which is going to see. This is this is the problem, is that is that they're going to scream like, "We can't, we, you can't do that. We we want to play games." And everybody's like, "Look, they're playing games," yeah. you know. Like that, so, I mean, so this is this is the thing when when how do I, how do I put this? But but what, this is this is what Trump is going to when they're being dishonest and deceitful and corrupt. You want to pay, you know. The, the average Republican is like, oh, that wouldn't be gentlemanly to talk to, to embarrass them. You know, but, but the thing is, you want to keep asking, you, you want to shine a spotlight on it. So when they're being corrupt and dishonest, you want to do everything you can to make, it a hu- to make it a huge deal that they're being dishonest and corrupt. So you get them to scream bloody murder. Say, no, 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 we want you behind closed doors. Really? You know, so so you send them you send them a list for of you send say send us your questions, mm-hmm. and they make a huge and, and they will predict the, these people are so dumb, they will always jump into the briar patch, and um, you know, and they'll scream bloody murder and saying no no we can't, you know we can't uh, um, we can't let him public testify publicly and the public is going to go why not exactly that's just well, I got another question yeah. Now, can Trump reserve the right to ask them questions? Well, they 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 won't. I mean, Jim Jordan is going to do that. I hope maybe Matt Gates. You know, I, I think come come January third. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, um, you know, and I, I think that come January third, there's like a thousand witnesses who've testified uh they could i don't i i have to think about whether that's a good idea or not but they could just release them all and and show that you know cause for example kelly Suarez's testimony mm-hmm. um she was the general counsel for oath keepers when when uh, stuart rhodes put out his calls to the president she was co-author and she went in there and gave him hell for a couple days if you released if you released her testimony before the select committee, mm-hmm. it would show they knew that everything they're doing is a fraud. <laughs> so a lot of the a lot of those testimonies they say we interviewed a thousand people. Yeah, most of them told him you're full of it. You know, so <laughs> it's funny so, you see yeah, those. You tested, they weren't yeah. in the infomercial. <laughs> right. Well, so see, yeah, we interviewed, we interviewed a thousand people, most yeah. of whom said, you know, t- showed proved to you that you're wrong. Yeah, and uh, you're hiding it from the American people. Yeah. The other thing, too, is is that, of course, um, the whole point of they have to do this is we, the American people need to know the truth. But you won't let the American people see the interview? 
I mean, how, how, how do you justify this and then you won't let him testify in public? Well, what's the, what's so, the, the whole thing on January 6th? And this is the thing that they're obsessed with January 6th. I know they're doing it because yeah. they're trying to uh, – they have to suppress the real coup that happened under the Capitol while the uh, selfie takers, the Trump supporters, were up top. I know that's why they have to do it. But why do, you, why do you think that they think they have to do it, or is it the same reason? What is this obsession with January I 6th? Think, I think it's because, number one, it covers up the, real, the insurrection from 2014 to 2020. Okay. You know, they, 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 you know they, they, they engaged in riots and insurrection for six years. Right. And, or seven, five years from starting with Ferguson, Missouri. And, um, and the left is always violent. So they've got one time when they can try to, you know, pass the hot potato and they're going to make the most of it. And also they, they think that the American people are like the, you know, the, the denizens of the swamp that they hang out with. <laughs> so, um, and because I think they honestly fear that, I mean, these people did not bring guns, um, the vast majority of them. They were not well, they're there, there to support the operation. That's the other thing. They were there to support it. They were there to, to make sure that the constitutional challenge to the states, the battleground states with Trump electors, were duly heard. That's why they were there. Right. So and as, an I, as I said last that's week, a, that's a support. That's a rally in support. The it, real insurrection. petitioning the government for the... It's, it's the First Amendment right to petition the government for the redress of grievances. But they didn't have a grievance. It's they a were just there to support to make sure the process went, went forward, right? Unless I got it wrong. I don't think well, so. Well, but that's the grievance, is that you're not, you're not following the, the law and the Constitution. It's the okay. grievance. Okay. Makes sense. So, it's a con- so they were exercising their constitutional right. Yes, yeah, some of them got out of control. It was actually, you know, the, the, the radio recording show was more of a mixed bag as to who, mm-hmm. you know, who started it. Uh, but, but it was, you know, a few people, uh, should have known better. Uh, you know, whether, whether you're provoked by the police or not, you know, you just have to be smart, you know, and you, no, and, the and, you and you shouldn't have it in, well, the well yeah, and I, I believe a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, cause, cause I don't believe that this is the only protest where Antifa didn't show up. <laughs> As we've said many times, I mean, this is the only time, the only yeah. time that they didn't show up. Black so I, I conclude they did show up. Yeah. They just weren't, they just were, uh, were under, were in disguise. They're dressed as Trump um, yeah. So, but, but the thing is, is that, you know, if, it, you know, this is where I say that the MAGA movement is huge mm-hmm. and we need it, but, but we do need, but it's an immature political movement and it needs training and it needs to understand and, and, and all these things like you, you, you should know by now that if they provoke you, you know, you're just going to hurt yourself in the movement by by responding. You can't you, you know, you, you have to be willing to turn the other cheek with plenty of videotape to prove what they did, you know, that who the bad people are. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so here's here's what so Trump's lawyer should do their own recording and and release it um and and say look here it is i don't need to come in now the problem that like bannon's lawyers they did some things right they didn't do it enough because bannon wrote letters saying yes i'll testify i'm just going to wait for the courts to just you know to 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 decide 
what I, you know, whether, whether it's okay for me to do it. That's why this, he should never have been convicted and while it, why it should be con, uh, overturned on appeal is because he never refused to testify. He said, he said, I can't testify while this is being worked out in the courts. Hmm. And, uh, Wouldn't that be like an ongoing so, uh, investigation? Isn't that the same thing? It's an ongoing legal proceeding, so you can't interfere? It is, but he's, but he, but he's also saying, I am subject to you know, the court. The court will either tell me not to testify or the court will tell me that I should testify. I don't know. You know, I can't, I can't do it. You know, I, all I can do is wait for the court to decide. Right. And normally that would do it. But when, but then when the thing got out of control, his lawyers didn't, you know, they didn't remind people of that. They didn't Mm -hmm. release the letters except, Mm. you know, they didn't, they didn't make it a major focus of saying, look, when did I refuse to testify? I told you, I will testify when the courts sort this out. So was this um, who convicted him? Was he, it a judge? Was it a, was there a jury there? Was it an administrative no, it was judge? A, it, 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 no, it was a DC jury. Oh, it was okay. And well, um, that's, that's useless. <laughs> what, what, what about the char- What about the preemptive? How do, you, how do you get rid of jurors who are blatantly biased? You know, do you say are you, you have, a registered you need, Democrat? You get, did you contribute money, or how do you do it? You need to get rid of the judges who are blatantly biased, whose job okay, it is so, to make sure that to make sure that the jury doesn't consist of blatantly biased people. Um, and, uh, you know, like I say, the, in the Oath Keeper trial, they picked 16 with alternates um, the, who are the least biased. And the, 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 the judges think, and there is some precedent that they're following, that if, that if, if they pick the, the least objectionable people for, from the jury pool, that's okay. And, you know, what I've said is everybody, everybody, every normal person says, if you pick, if you pick the, the 16 least bad, they're still bad. Yeah. You know, the, the whole the, jury the fact, the fact that you, Right. If you pick the best, that doesn't make them okay. Um, so um, so a, a, a judge who's, who's doing his job would move it to another jurisdiction. Hmm. Um, and uh, like I've, you know, I've said is that, when it comes to transfer of venue, who, who did we talk? Did I talk to you about this? If you, um, you know, the people in D.C. were personally affected. They were under mm-hmm. a curfew. So it would be like maybe you said it. I don't know who said it. But if a plane crashed into a neighborhood, mm-hmm. you couldn't pick a jury from that neighborhood and claim that they I didn't were unbiased. Say that, but, but it makes sense. Well, my, <clears throat> I would even say that anybody uh, who works for government, especially the federal government should, could not serve on a jury where one of the, um, the people or where it's a government connected operation. <clears throat> it was just a criminal trial. It doesn't matter. Right. Like shop, right. shoplifting, you know, carjacking things. Well, that's pretty bad crime, but anyway, I'm I agree. just saying, but, no, but if it's so, a, if it's any connection to government, then a government person would be a conflict of interest on the jury. I would think if they work for the government and tra- or family that works on the government, which is everybody. Did you see the president's <laughs> speech? Let, yeah. Uh, on Saturday night, I, I saw half night? of it. I saw half of it. Okay, I about saw, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 8 p.m. Right. Central, a group started to sing the national anthem. I did see that just spontaneously. That was beautiful. That was amazing. Well, it was. It, it's actually even more beautiful than you'd think because what they were doing 
was that every night at that time in the D.C. jail, the uh, the political prisoners sing the national anthem. And that's what time they sing? That's, that's why they did it. It's because at that moment, and he was talking about the topic. Uh, Trump was talking about, about why the didn't topic Trump announce at that, that moment. Why didn't Trump announce that? Because his, because his staff are idiots. This is, I mean, because Trannis Evans spent a week trying to get the message up the line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Trump looked utterly befuddled. You know, so, I mean, although he loved it once he figured out what it was. But, oh, he but did he, figure um, it out. See, I didn't figure that out. The thing is that Trump's staff knew. For, Trennis Evans has been telling them, uh, you know, for a week that Who's that's that? what they were going to do. Who's and nobody, nobody, nobody sent it up the line to Trump. Oh, God. You know, I, I know somebody and I'm. Yeah, hmm? don't give a name. Well, he still doesn't have good people around him then, if that's the case. I mean, this is his biggest problem in the first administration. Well, and, was he had bad people around him. And you, and, and like I say, I would never, you, you can never trust the staff of anyone to do a good job. Right. Uh, when I, I had a friend whom, you know, would kill me if I named her, who <laughs> in, the George, in the George H.W. Bush administration, where she campaigned, um, she had a meeting with the president, George H.W. Bush, and the personnel director, and talked about what kind of things she'd like to do. She'll take on a board. The president of the United States turned to his personal director, White House personnel director, and say, "Find her something along those lines. Get her, you know, get her a position." Didn't happen. An order from the president to his own staff never got done. I mean, this is why you, you have, I mean, I just realized that, you know, just, you, you think that if you communicate something to a president's staff or a congressman's staff, you assume that it's going to be passed up the line or dealt with. You can't assume. Well, that's what the chief so anyway, of staff so they, needs to fire people. Anyway, we've got Pianca in the line, too. I want to get to him in a second. He's, I'm sure he has a question as well. Okay. Oh, Pianca, uh-huh. do you want to go ahead? No, no, Pianchi's on the line too. I want to make sure we get him. But this is this is fascinating. Yeah, but, uh, well, let me just say another little inside baseball uh, with the folks that I know. Uh, remember when we had Stuart Rhodes from the Oklahoma Federal Prison? Remember we had that message for Trump yeah. and the message for the members of Congress? I forwarded that to people who I've asked to forward it to Peter Navarro. So there's a good chance that he may, may actually get that message. Trump may actually get it. I trust Peter Navarro just based on what, I, what I've seen of him on the news and what I've talked to him when he was on the show here. He sounds that good. That would be huge so we'll see i'll let you know well let me yeah let me say one other thing before uh just to wrap it up before bianchi is that it occurred to me um the problem with you know all the i mean docker requests are always uh, a huge burden they're a huge Mm -hmm. amount of work Mm -hmm. but in this case i think most of what they're asking i wonder if trump can't just say Oh, remember how you made a big stink about how I'm not supposed to have presidential records? <laughs> well, why don't you go talk to the NRA, to the National Archives and Records Administration? Yeah, not the NRA, not the National Rifle Association. But yeah, in, no, in, no, no, the no. NRA classified. Yeah, the 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 um, the archives. Because that's the isn't that yeah, the person that tried to charge saying, with this anyway? Wasn't it the archivist who said that? Well, we're keeping documents that aren't in the archives; they have to be preserved for for public record. You know, and uh, right. that, so, that, but, that whole but some of the thing. things. Okay. Some of the things they're asking for, 
right. include um, basically phone logs from the White House switchboard. Well, how is he going to have that in Mar-a-Lago? Even if even if he's allowed to have it, he didn't bring the you know he didn't bring the White House switchboard with him to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> so how the hell is he supposed to answer that? He's not in the White House anymore either. So, he, so the yeah. So the Trumps, so Trump's lawyers are going to have to say, you know, to each category, you know, talk to an talk to the archivist, talk to the archivist, talk to the archivist for category after category. Mm-hmm. I got to get so you uh, connected with some some people. Uh, I know people. I want I want my people Thanks. to know your people. We'll go from there. Pianki, before, <laughs> we, uh, before, before we change the uh, uh, reporters here, what's what's on your mind? Well, no, that's a good point that Jonathan made, is that the, they should submit questions so that uh, the Trump team can know what it is that's being sought after. Because if you go in there blindsided, uh, going to the OK Corral type of a view, ain't no telling what they've come up with. And you can always use it against them, keeping them from saying that you are not cooperating. Yeah. Good idea. Let's get that information up there. Do they have, Jonathan, do they have to say which documents they're looking for? And if Trump doesn't have them, can they say, well, you're withholding documents? Or, or can they just say, give us everything you have on this big blanket area? Well, I mean, they have to identify the, they have to identify the topic. But okay. part, of the, part of the issue is, I mean, usually a document request is, is to find out what documents they have. So they don't have to know what documents you have um, before you, you know, respond, but they do have to identify pretty specifically the topic area or the type of document. And yes, they will lie about it. They, uh, you know, they they'll say, well, you didn't give us this. Like, well, you didn't ask for it, or I don't have it. And but that's why. But see, that's why it's so burdensome, because okay. if you say I don't have it, or if you answer a question I don't know. You damn well better be sure, because if you, because then they'll charge you with lying. Even yeah, even they in are, court, especially if they I already have it. Confused. If they already have it, and they say well, we need you to produce this document, and they already have it, so they know what's in it, you know. And they say, and if you say, well, I don't know where it is. No, you know, well, I mean, that, that would be logic, there. and that back yeah. back before we abandoned logic, reason, and, and law, um, <laughs> they uh, that would be that would be relevant these days. They don't. These days, they don't. They don't do that. They just. They just well, lie, and the judge is busy, so he just assumes that whatever they said is true, and and uh, you know it doesn't matter if you are doing the right thing or not. It's a. Uh, yeah. Let me ask so, one more question, um, then we get to uh, Pianki again. But uh, could this be what I thought the first time? The the, the impeachments they knew weren't going to go through because the Senate was Republican, but it was a huge distraction and a huge waste of time, and it kept Trump from doing other things. Is that what's going on in this case too? That before the election, before well, she's doing these rallies and endorsing Republican candidates and things like that, is this just part of a distraction? In other words, it doesn't matter what comes out of this judicial proceeding as long as they can take up his time. I, I think so, yes. I mean, it's like I say, Jerry Spence explained on Larry King Live, his litigation strategy, that um, it doesn't matter what the answers are. It's what, you know, the, the, the jury hears the questions. And so you ask the questions and the jury goes, aha, and it doesn't, 
you know, regardless of how the person answers. So, um, you know, the stink, they're, they're just trying to throw a lot of stink on them for 20. I mean, I mean, they know they're in, they're in serious trouble. So, um, and we could talk about Keynesian economics sometimes, which is, I mean, because well, yeah, it's you insanity. Had a, but did you see what I post on on uh, in the economics project? I wrote up a report on I the city states, and you have one on Keynesian economics. Let's do it next week. Let's compare both of our articles. We both wrote them about the same time. Pianki, let's get back to yeah. you. We have about but, five minutes but, before we get okay, to you. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, Pianki. Well, no. Let's just say there should be pre-constructed questions. At the time, because you can't bring in everything that you assume or think they may ask. No, let them come up with specific questions, the things that they are concerned with. Therefore, when the actual interrogation goes on, you already know and have answers for those questions, have prepared the documents, and so on, so on, so on. Jonathan? Well, well, yeah, it's just, this is where it's a game. I mean, it's a deadly game. You, you have to, you do have, you do have to know, you, you do have to know the tricks that are played and the games that are played and, and, and try to make the most of it. But it would be, but what what usually happens is like the Super Bowl where one team goes out there on the field and says, well, we're going to lose anywhere. Why try? <laughs> um, you know, but, but, there are lots of tricks and twists that one has to be careful because it depends on how the and that's that's like I say that's the one exception I have to the wait and see disease is you have you have to look at what did they actually ask and how did they ask it and 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 that sort of thing and then you file a bunch of objections and you say I'm not asking you know it's like I don't know what this means it's like you know like like I would I would say you know, give me all documents you have about the riot on January 6th. I said, what riot? I don't know about any riot. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. I, I, can't, I can't answer your question because I don't, I don't know about any you riot. You mean the coup? We were involved um, in the coup. That's you guys. <laughs> but I, I think yeah. people might get confused, I mean, though. We, we've talked about two different things. We've talked about Trump before the January 6th committee, and we've talked about Trump's you know, data you know, search thing like that. So I just want to make sure that we don't have people crossing over going, what, what, are, we, what are they talking about on both things? Well, they, those are, okay, those me, are two different incidents. Yeah, go ahead, Jonathan. No, but let me clarify them again because they are related. Anytime, anytime a lawyer or legal team wants to take uh, a deposition, first they ask for, for documents. And normally they want to see all the documents long before the, the deposition or appearance so they can study them all so they can, they can try to trap the witness with something, with some document. Mm -hmm. So the two go, they are very, very different issues, but they, they're almost always done together. It's like first they want all your documents and then they want, you know, a month or two to go over them and then they'll use the documents in the questioning. Does that okay. help? No, it does. It, it makes sense. But I'm also thinking to myself uh, how the great Republican response has been, how Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy have rallied Congress to Trump's side, being all in the same party, and have said to the news media on many occasions how this is unjust, this is crazy, this is a witch hunt. And the real coup took place under the Capitol building while the, uh, the, the deep state induced Trump supporters to take selfies above so they could use that as the cover. That would be, that's, that's, that would be a nice thing. 
a lot of things to be nice. But, <laughs> I'll be sarcasm. Anyway, sorry, I didn't, yeah. and I don't know if Pianchi may have more. Okay. Got another question? Someone's going twice? No, that's about it for me. You're right on it. But those <laughs> questions should be posed because, like you say, some of the uh, information that they're looking for, they already have it at their disposal in the archives, which is yeah. public knowledge. Not only do they have privy to it, but the public has privy to it also. Here's a question, too. The the, the yeah. fact that uh, Trump has – oh, sorry. Do you want to respond to that, Jonathan? Go ahead. No. No, yeah, I agree. Go ahead. All right. So I'm thinking whatever Trump says to the January 6th committee, can that be then used against him in his in the, the Justice Department's investigation of his documents? Is there a crossover there? Um, yes, it should not be. And that's one of the reasons why there's been a lot of a lot of huffing and puffing about it, why the Oath Keeper case, they tried to I mean, I mean basically when, when they did this to Ollie North, Mm-hmm. Um, the case against Ali North collapsed because Congress restrained themselves from butting their nose into it. They couldn't mm-hmm. just wait for Congress for the, for the courts to figure it out. So they ended up they ended up destroying the prosecution of Ali North. Right. Um, but but there's no there's there, there's nothing to stop them from from using it. So I mean this is the complaint, and there are lawsuits against this that they're what they're doing is. They're, they're using Congress to run a parallel criminal investigation, violating the rules that would apply in, in, a, in an official investigation, using mm-hmm. rumor and innuendo, and, and they don't have the ability to suppress, you know, to block things and contest things. And then they're having, having obtained evidence outside of the rules that they're handing it over to the, uh, um, to the Department of Justice. So he should really so get immunity it, it from uh, from the one from the Justice Department investigation before going before Congress, shouldn't he? Or get immunity in, in, yeah. before testifying before. The, so he needs immunity from one or the other or both of them. In other words, so they can't cross over. I would think. Right. I mean, he could okay. t- he could take the fifth. Um, nah, the that doesn't look good. Fifth, optics, optics. The problem with taking the fifth is that you can't pick and choose. If you oh. take the fifth on any part of one to- of any topic, mm-hmm. you have to be consistent, and that makes it that means that there are things you'd like to say that you can't say because they're not going to either they're not going to allow you to. Uh, and that's why, for example, they took a question of somebody I forget who it was, Roger Stone or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking the fifth, implying that that question he was actually guilty of. And, of course, lying to the American people because if he takes the fifth on anything, he has to take the fifth on, on everything, and they didn't, you know, they, they, they abused that impression. Mm. Okay. Let me um, just sum up here, and then I'll get to, to Dorothy, that uh, Jonathan sent me an article on Keynesian economics from American Thinker from, I think, 2012. So this is, this is one of your earlier writings. Um, I wrote one in 2014 when I started Action Radio, when I first got the idea for this, and I think in February of 2012, talking about the, the city-states. In other words, we separate the liberal cities from the, the suburban and rural you know, and, uh, parts of the states, and so they actually become different entities. So let's compare and contrast. Let's do that next week. It should be kind of fun. It's Halloween, so uh, it would be a good day for us to do that. You know? <laughs> That's a good time to talk about Keynesian economics. I think so. I mean, well, but it's, it's we'll the take idea the mask that, off. It's what yeah, they're talking ahead. about right now, that they can, they can create magic money 
They can stimulate the economy with money they don't have. It's like, uh, Greg, would you like a new car? So here, let me give you this invisible imaginary money <laughs> to help you buy a new car. That that's the that's the Democrat Party's uh, idea of of improving the economy. Yeah. Anyway, exactly. and the, we'll, they cure uh, inflation by spending so much money and then giving to people <laughs> for the inflation they caused. Yeah. We, uh, we let's talk about that next week. I want to play a couple things um, here. I'll take about two minutes and then we'll get to uh, to Dorothy. But uh, thank you, sir. Any, any closing right. comment, real quick? Or, or we got it. Okay. That's it. Whew. This place is so much fun. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, dangerously cool. And speaking of dangerously cool, let's move to our sex and sensuality report. Talking about changing gears. Boy, we had local politics at first, national uh, law and politics second, and now we're getting on to the, the deeply personal and interesting and occasionally humorous. <laughs> Good morning, Dorothy. Good morning. How are you? Having a great time. Um, did my cafe thing, although I forgot to take pictures. Um, for those that don't know, we have a running cafe picture battle on weekends between uh, Dorothy and uh, Shirley Watson, our gun reporter. So she does guns and bagels, and you do, uh, I don't know, what uh, cafes and, uh, you know, sex talk. So it's great. Is, I, got one, I want to get you two together. We'll do a cafe report sometime. This will be I'm fun. addicted but I had... to lattes. I have to oh. all be honest. I'm really addicted to lattes. And I love the cafe idea. I tend mm-hmm. to go in and get my latte with my sunglasses on and leave. I don't tend to stay, but, but maybe I should stay more. I don't know because I'm usually very busy. I'm usually either with the three kids. 
getting into but some other homeschooling activity. How are you going to look around at the need... dysfunctional couples? How are you going to analyze people? How can you tell who's on a first <laughs> Every date? Now and then. How can you tell who doesn't want to talk to anybody because they're, they're earbudded, you know, headsetted, I surrounded mean, by watched. their computer? Yeah, go ahead. I watch and I get in conversations online. I do. I, I can't help myself. But, um, but I do envision a little more time in my life where I can sit at the coffee shop and chat and work because that sounds like, you know, very enjoyable. Right. We can do a whole show on coffee shops. I mean, the psychology of coffee shops is fascinating. Coffee itself gets, uh, you know, it's a stimulant, and which is just what we need for our show. You know, a stimulant. The, like we're not hyperactive enough already. <laughs> but yeah, so I think delicious. it makes a difference. Yeah, so it's, it's this coffee. Every time I, yeah. Every time I research something about health in so many different areas, so I'm really interested in a lot of different areas, and I do a lot of detox. And again, in detox, coffee enemas. The organic coffee enema is a real thing. It's been going on forever. The Gerson Institute came up with it. A lot of natural health providers have adopted a form of it. But um, that has such wonderful health benefits for the liver and for detoxing the colon. And then we moved to sex talk, right? And we were talking about foods last week, and coffee came up twice as, as, as a, um, something you could incorporate into stimulating blood vessels and things like that when it comes to the arena of sexuality. So I think that's really kind of fun also. Coffee has so many areas of health. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's fascinating, and you know, like I said, the caffeine, but the whole idea of the stimulation, you know, it's it's, it's kind of interesting. We talk about aphrodisiacs. Is coffee an aphrodisiac? Well, they know that the smell of coffee they've studied has a psychological effect on people, and coffee mm-hmm. is the best way if you have a stinky garbage disposal. You put your, you put a little, you pour some black coffee down there, and oh, makes a smell. Okay, so we got garbage disposal, <laughs> we got enemas. Where, where are we going this morning here? Is, I, I think we're developing a theme. I think we just love coffee, but that wasn't okay. my topic. My topic was going to be the five love languages, um, yes, but coffee please. might be the sixth love language, Greg. Ooh, well, is food a love language? <laughs> Say again? Is food a love language? Well, that's not one of the official Gary Chapman love languages that I think are so okay. reliable cool. and helpful, but um, I mean, well, such a cool topic. maybe it could be. I don't know. I want to hear all about it. So tell me what they are. I'm going to let you go. So just tell me what they are, and we'll just kind of go step by step through each one of them in the hour that we have, maybe hopefully a few minutes more. Uh, and let's, uh, let's find out what, what, what a love language is. So, so please tell me. So this is a very popular topic, and a lot of people already know this, but I think it's important to revisit this repeatedly because even if you've read the book, even if you studied it, even if you put it into practice, we get tired, we get lazy, life comes into play, and in our partnerships and our relationships with our lovers and our children and our parents, sometimes we forget how to show that person on a regular basis that we love them and to fill their bucket. And mm-hmm. if their bucket is filled, their emotional bucket, then they have more to give to us, and they're more likely to fill ours, and the relationship's just better. And if we oh. don't know how to fill their bucket or we're speaking a language that isn't theirs, um, and we don't, we're confused and we don't know why there's this blockage and they don't seem to feel loved by us and they insecure. So, um, so the five love languages was a book written by Gary Chapman many years ago, I think in the eighties. And what he hmm. found was there's these five unique styles of communicating love. And he worked for many years with couples and, and delineated it down to basically five ways we give and receive love and they are words of affirmation so that's like compliments praise 
noticing something about you, noticing something you did that was really well done, and telling you. Um, quality time, so spending, spending time just with in the presence, not on your screen, talking, eye-gazing, sharing an activity together. Quality mm-hmm. time is a second. The third is gifts, giving and receiving gifts. And that can be anything from a beautiful leaf you found on a walk and you, you saw, oh, this leaf is my lover's favorite color, my child's favorite color, and you bring it to them. For someone whose love language is gifts, that feels amazing, mm. as does a visit to Tiffany's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Acts of service is the fourth one. Um, so I got you a cup of coffee at the coffee shop. <laughs> or, um, well, that could be a gift, you know, too, I bought your it? Yes, acts, yes. So, um, yeah, yes, it's a gift or an acts of service, like you didn't have time to stop, let's say. You always okay. get coffee, you didn't have time to stop, or, you, or I went and got your oil changed for you, or I did your laundry oh. for you. Um, oh. And, the, yeah, and that's to a lot of moms, I've noticed, acts of service, even if prior to your marriage, that wasn't one of your love languages. It's amazing how many women I know who, after they became a mom, their love language shift to acts of service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll that take happen. anything. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We'll take the help here. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh, I love you for helping. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. And, and the, the fifth, fifth one? one is non-sexual, non-sexual physical touch. So, and the reason we hmm. specify non-sexual is because that differentiates whether it's, you know, actual physical touch is your love language or yes, you like sex. So just to take the sexuality out of it, having your back scratched, your head scratched, your arm scratched. How do you take the sexuality um, out of it? Massage. Hmm? How do you take the sexuality out of it? Well, um, I can touch my kids in a way that's non-sexual and they purr like well, kittens, I, you know. And, well, see, I thought yeah. this is relationship-based. This is not, this is not relationship-based. This it is, is relationship-based, relationships with all of the people in our lives. So originally oh. we wrote the book for lovers, for couples, but what we learned is when you fill up children's buckets with love language, they go into adults who then fill up their lovers without hesitation. So, you know, okay. there was, used to be this myth that if you spoil children, you spoil them too much, then they're, you know, spoiled brats, blah, blah, blah. And we found the opposite mm-hmm. is true when it comes to love and attention and filling their emotional buckets. That the more there goes my dog, I'm sorry if you hear my dog. I have of course we dog. hear the dog. We always um, hear the dog. Oh. It's okay. But see, I was having the impression, I've heard of these, I've heard that there were five love languages and I'm sure, because these sound familiar, I'm sure someone at some point told me. Um, but I thought this was for relationships, for marriage, for, uh, you know, any kind of uh, interaction. But this, but you're talking families. Would this cover, you know, business stuff? Would it cover friendships? It would cover any, any kind of relationship, interpersonal communication. Yeah, right. That's a great okay. point. Yeah, so they okay. extended it to well, children to when they went. Yeah, it was originally for couples. They extended it to ch- to children. So now, if you go online, there's a quiz specifically if you're a kid mm-hmm. um, to figure out what your love language is. I love the online quizzes. I think they're so fun. And there's one for adults on this in this venue. One if you're single. One if you're in a couple relationship. And then one <laughs> if you're a kid. Um, yeah. so you well, a kid, especially you, you want non-sexual, you know, physical touch, you know. You know, because especially there are yeah. adults and terrible people out there. So, yeah, so I can understand that this would be uh, – Well, I mean, now that, like now if that I, makes you sense. know, you might think, you might think mm-hmm. your love language is physical touch because, oh, yeah, reach over and touch my penis. That's my love language. No, that's kind of a universal thing that feels good to your body, but it doesn't actually fill you up emotionally if it's not your love language. So this is emotion. This is the emotional bucket list. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. 
as opposed so what do you to, think no, yours so are, Greg? Uh, I don't know yet. I'm just let's, let me. I'm just writing down emotional bucket list, but, but I mean yeah. bucket list in terms of bucket list. You know, but anyway, what would I say? Ooh, uh, all of them. But I don't. Well, yeah. that's not quite true. I would say that uh, I don't require gifts, um, just because I don't like people fussing over me. I don't. I don't require access to service. I, that wouldn't be something that uh, people like to do. That. But again, I don't. Uh, me personally, whatever it is, I want people doing it for, for themselves and for me, but not in a way that, that's like a burden to them. Like I see gifts have been used as a burden for like holidays. Well, you've got to buy me the right Valentine's present, said, you know, girlfriend X. Um, or, you know, acts of service. You never do anything for me kind of thing. I'm looking, I guess I'm looking at the negative aspects. But I don't want to be in a position of, of having someone think they have to have any gifts or acts of service. But on the other hand, if they want to, that's fine. But I really don't. I feel kind of awkward when, when stuff's done for me. Maybe that's my uh, my independent kind of upbringing and, uh, you know, being the emotional, you know, I guess, uh, blanket for everybody else in the family. So that's, so that's where I grew up. But affirmation, absolutely. It's nice to hear. Quality time, sure. Um, non-sexual touch, you know, like I say, depending on who it is, yeah. You know, in fact, you can't, you can't hug people. That's sexual harassment. You know, you can't shake hands, you know, and, uh, or whatever it is. You know, what is, what is appropriate? I mean, are, are people shaking hands anymore? Are they fist bumping? You know, so so I would I would go with uh, words of affirmation and quality time would be probably the most important in terms of emotion stuff because that means something that that comes from you that doesn't like cost you anything. You know, it doesn't cost you anything you to know, say something. Greg, doesn't cost you anything to give I'm, time. Yeah, that's when I'm hearing you talk, I'm remembering that for a lot of people, they have a some people have a hard time sorting out their love language because they've been made to feel as a child like their needs were not important and that they were a burden. And I'm just going to say this. This That's is true. something to sift through and work through. So sometimes we don't even know what our love language is because we're so ashamed or afraid to ask for it. But sometimes we can tell what it is by what we do for others naturally. So if you okay. naturally are always telling people, wow, I love your sweater. Wow, that's a nice car. Wow, thank uh-huh. you. You're probably verbal affirmation. And even if you haven't had the pleasure or the – um, you haven't had the luxury of hearing it, you know, said to you in your early years, which you deserved and you should have, um, that still could be oh, a lovely, which is why the um, online quiz <laughs> is kind of helpful because it kind of yeah. asks a million questions so you sift through it. But I'm hearing you say, like, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to do things that people, you know, and, and that's, to me, you're, you're right. And so many of us feel that way, and it's kind of sad. Like, because it, when someone has a love language of gifts, it is not a burden. They like feel good when they do it for you. So oh, I know. I mean, I'm getting better at it, but I'm just thinking because you asked yeah. you know, that my basis is not only yeah, was it right, not affirmed though. with me, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, that I didn't want to burden anybody else. It was, I, it was required of me to take care of everybody else's emotional needs at like five yeah. years old, <laughs> you know. So yeah. so, so that's a, so that, that right. comes from growing up in a narcissist family. So that's going to skew all my love languages completely. Um, although I've worked through tons of different stuff, I'm probably revealing a whole lot here, folks. But um, so that's why but I I'd think say, that's good because a lot of people yeah. have the same background. I mean, our okay. generation, our parents' generation was emotionally extremely, usually negligent and really dysfunctional. Not everyone. Well, that would be nice. Dysfunctional, yes. Negligent would have been a, would have been yeah. preferable. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah. handle negligent. Yeah. And so we grew Assum- up handicapped. So here we are mm-hmm. trying to sort it all out and figure it all out. And yep. I think that's we're doing swimmingly. Yeah, we'll figure this part out too. Yeah. Well, and I sometimes wonder, you know, what I have been. I mean, this is going to be horrible to say. Don't, don't, don't stop with the hate mail already. But you know, I think had I been an orphan, 
without the negative, mm. if it had just been more neutral, would I have done, neutral. you know, things that I'd wanted to do earlier? So I had to work through depression and, you know, and all the, all the stuff that I've talked about here, the, the background. I mean, I'm not there now. I mean, now I'm in an incredibly good place. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing and even talking about mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but the point is that, that uh, sometimes the, 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 the negative is much more powerful than the neutral. You say, well, you're in, you grew up, you know, without your parents, you're, you're, you must be in terrible shape. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe no. It depends on the people that were in your life. So that's a whole different topic for another time. Tell me about these languages. So why do we have these languages and why are they divided up? Why is it uh, important to do that? So if I'm in relationship with a partner uh-huh. and his love language is quality time, so he feels most connected to me spending time together, working on a project together, taking a walk. But mine is verbal affirmation, and he doesn't feel that's important, so he doesn't give it, nor does he need it. I am going to end up probably feeling neglected and sad and a little unworthy and like he doesn't really love me. Even if you spend time together? Yeah, even if I have a high self-esteem. There's going to be something missing for most people in that situation. Like, you know, why don't you tell me? So I know it's verbal affirmation. When we enter relationship, when we first start, I, I actually am an advocate for a relationship contract, but we'll talk about that on another show. We have talked we about that. Remember, we actually wrote yeah. one. It almost sounded like we were writing it for each other, which was hysterical. If anybody wants to go back and listen to that show, we were talking as individuals, but it was great. It mm-hmm. was a fun chat. That was fascinating. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a great topic and um, very underutilized, but hmm. So in my, in my, when, when we decide to become exclusive and we decide to move forward, I, I feel it's pretty important to, for him to know my love languages and how it's essential, it's a non-negotiable, and for me to know his and know that that's a non-negotiable. And we can even have, you know, designated times we make sure we're filling it or a check-in every day. How is yours being met? Are you doing okay? Because you want your partner to feel loved. And then they will love you, and, and it just keeps the relationship fuzzies really high. So when stresses enter the relationship, which they will, you know, you're we, more We like our fuzzies. Them. Yeah, got to get a yeah. fuzzies. Um, what are your love languages, just out of curiosity? Mm-hmm. Before my marriage, they were verbal affirmation and gifts, but now mm-hmm. they're, uh, this is so interesting, now they're, I, was, I had three at the top when I did it recently, three that were very even, the same number. And it was hmm. physical touch, yeah, physical touch, verbal affirmation, and um, acts of service. Yeah, but I never turned down a gift. <laughs> I love it. Huh? Oh, I'm just curious. Yeah. This is interesting because yeah, so physical to me, touch, the the, the big one. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the big one is quality time. That to me it seems like the most important. I know that. that I mean, might they're sound... all important. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. So, oh, see, I keep thinking I'm still in a relationship mode just because of the nature of what we're talking about. But oh, if we're if we're talking about, so yeah. we should try different different scenarios like parent kid, mm-hmm. um, I yeah. guess job, you know, just friendship, you know, right? Um, guy buds, women buds, you know, girls night out, you know, what, how does this? I all... will say this: girls, all women know, all women who are listening understand this. You have that girlfriend that gushes over you. Oh my gosh, I love that sweater. Oh my gosh, I love your hair. Oh my gosh. And sometimes we have the girlfriend where we do that when we're together. Like we'll do it to each other the whole time because it's both of our love language. And to hear us oh. is almost comical, but we mean it. And it's like we're so enraptured 
in a non-sexual way with our girlfriend and like how beautiful she is and how hilarious. And we'll just sit there and tell each other constantly, you know, peppered through the whole evening. Um, and that just feels really good. That's two verbal affirmation girls getting together. You know, I don't know how comfortable men are doing that. Um, well, guys honestly, get together too. You know, we'll get together, yeah, you know, after they, the softball game, or, you know, uh, they don't gosh, no guys. No, but, uh, we do have, I don't want to, uh, um, Oh, wait, 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 I just history. remember, what? my friend has what? a big, my friend has a big truck. I just remember that I have a friend yeah. with a very big truck. Cool we don't talk about ourselves as much. Well, I'll tell you what's yeah, interesting. We actually have a, we actually, truck well, and, here's, and they'll stop right. him and they'll, me, go ahead. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I just got this hilarious, well, I got this example of the verbal affirmation with men. Go for it. Go um, for they it. Will, he gets stopped about this truck so much and then, oh man, that's a nice truck. Wow, where'd you? Oh, I like the way you did it up. Oh, yeah, and then they talk about this truck for like five minutes, and I think mm-hmm. that's the verbal affirmation exchange. All right, I agree. I, I you know, know I thought about this too, but well, see now here's what here's where I was going with this. We have two pages, two different groups, totally separate. One is the uh, the Action Radio Life and Health Coaching page, and the other is the Action Radio Man page. Now it just so happens that most of the people, the vast majority of people on the Life and Health Coaching page, are women. And obviously the man page is men. I set up a page specifically for men. And what am I posting on the man page? The latest jet, <laughs> you, know, you know, my new toy, uh, things like that, yeah. um, guy stuff. And so take a look cool at that page stuff. too. Now, I, I, okay. you, know, you can't join, unfortunately. It's, it's a man page. Um, but it, I, think you'll, I think you'll find it fascinating, uh, just the d- different things in the comments and, uh, you know, even the cover picture of the, the two guys, the construction workers are walking across the open steel. Um, and so this is why I did this. But it is fascinating that women talking about, you know, I love girl chat. It's hysterical to listen to. I don't, I don't understand most of what you all are talking about, but it doesn't matter. Cause you, know, you're, having so much, you're having so much fun doing it. It doesn't matter. And, and you know, and what was, there's a great scene. Uh, what was, it? was it Sleepless in Seattle? Where Tom Hanks and his real his real wife was was in it, and they're talking about uh, chick films and something like that. He says, "You know, that's a chick film." Says Tom Hanks, and then then one of the, I forgot the other character. He talks about um, the Dirty Dozen. You know, the the the, the prisoners that are going to be executed that went to Germany in World War II and did a mm-hmm, commando mission. Mm-hmm. And he talked about it in terms of a chick film. Oh, it's so sad when he died. He saved all those people and he killed all those Germans in that that you know basement. Oh, do you remember when he went? You know, it was hysterical. But they were making fun of chick films. But yeah, you want to talk about two different languages? That scene is probably the greatest study uh, in, in in different languages. You know, the, that's the way guys. You know, we we love talking about our trucks because that's the comment of the other guy. It's like, hey, dude, you got a really nice truck. Or That's right. Why do guys go to it all to car shows with you know Corvettes it symbolizes and Mustangs, masculinity what? and success and mm-hmm. and um, mm, no 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 you're wrong okay it's not, it's not success oh oh give me the give me the female condescending tone okay Greg I know best I'll okay. let you think you know, know what you're talking well, about you sort of okay, no, okay. I was, listen to I feel no. it represents it's a man saying to another man mm-hmm. I see and acknowledge you have. I'm, I'm just going very primitive here. Beautiful, mm-hmm. shiny things, which shows that you have success, you have acquisition, no, you have way. been successful, whether it's getting the meat. When you go back to caveman days, you got the biggest kill. You, um, you, you dress the skins beautifully. Look how nice they look on your tent and on your family. Like, oh, it goes back to that. It's saying oh, you yeah, are yeah. a masculine person who has succeeded and gotten cool things, and you're taking care of your people. I don't know if that's why I feel like yep. that completely wrong it's really funny because the women right. say that guys get a, a bigger more powerful harley because they don't think they have a big enough man part it's exactly that kind I of thing think that. y'all are y'all are wrong 
I know you don't. Well, a lot of women do. Trust me, I've heard it. I don't think <laughs> it has to be I guess they're making up for some kind of inadequacy, aren't they? You know. I mean, sometimes you know. they are, Greg. Go ahead. Sometimes yeah. they are. Oh, there you are think some so? men that have nothing to offer a woman. I have to say this: they they're so handicapped emotionally, and they mm. they're not. They're so, and I think it comes from that emotional damage as a child that uh-huh. they have this symbol to try to prove that they're worth something. And I and I do think there are some people who, and women too. Women who get so much plastic surgery have such beautiful clothes, and they're so fragile inside. They're so weak. They're so insecure. But everything on the surface is really perfect. I think we're talking about people here who do that, you know. But not every yeah, man but, who has a cool big truck it's, has a tiny dick and is feeling insecure. No, no. See, I think it's just the opposite. I don't think guys think about that at all. I don't think they care. That's not why guys buy big trucks. You know, the reason, do I want a jet because I feel inadequate in some aspect of my life? No, I want to fly upside right. down really fast. Okay? Yeah. I don't give a damn what anybody else thinks of that. You know, because people say, well, that's just that's a total waste of money. In fact, I've had this conversation with people. Oh, they're know, so jealous, Greg. Those people are Well, I know jealous. that. But, but yeah. here's the conversation. Yeah. I'll have people, I say, I'd rather have a jet than a house. I don't need a house. Give me a you know, a little cottage somewhere, a little shack on the beach. I'm happy, but I'd much rather have a jet. Oh, you're an idiot. That's mm-hmm. so impractical. That's crazy. Are you kidding? That's life. Would you rather have a jet or a house? A, ni- a nice big house. I mean, I, I don't know. That's, I, I'd rather have a small house and a jet. And money for fuel for the jet. <laughs> well, see, that's part of the deal. That's why I don't have my jet yet. I got to have money for fuel. But see, guys okay, don't think that way. Um, guys, let's go back go to ahead. love language. I don't want to forget about your about our love languages here. Um, we do digress, we kind don't of, we? Yeah, we digress, but I but I think it's really important, and mm-hmm. um, because people can go research their love language. So we talked about women complimenting each other how men do verbal affirmation also physical touch ah in other cultures you'll see men arm in arm you'll see men walking arm in arm hand in hand or you know linked arms arms around each other big hugs and they don't think anything of it the u.s has deprived men of their permission to touch each other in a non-sexual way we have room for improvement there yeah but on a baseball team on national tv you can pat another guy's butt and it's okay but you can't do that in public that You're one allowed out. to hug women. Women are allowed to hug each other. Everyone's allowed to uh-huh. hug except for two men. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. women go to the restroom together, and guys don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's it's physical touch. So, okay. physical huge touch, love language. So. I have three children. Two of them are uh-huh. physical touch as their primary love language. Mine was not physical touch. I've had to learn, as I would learn with a partner, hopefully, uh-huh. if, if his was physical touch and mine wasn't, to be a big foot rubber, head scratcher, back rubber, squeezer, tickler. All those things I've had to learn, and so now I'm really good at it. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. You, you can l- learn these things, and you can learn to love them also. Some people say, I don't do ver- verbal affirmation. I don't know how to do it. My woman likes compliments, or my man likes to hear it. I don't feel authentic. Well, I don't feel genuine. It feels fake. Guess Why what? Why don't you practice? Start practice. Practice makes perfect. Come up with a bunch of Post-it notes. Come up with like a little list of things you can say no just just say make it a point you know you look totally hot today babe but i mean why why is it so hard to say that babe you look totally hot today you look well she's going to pick up if it's authentic so um maybe admit that at first you're having a hard time and then maybe make it a point of noticing something about her like when she walks up look Mm -hmm. with your eyes the shoes are cute tell her um they match something i never do All right, so, yeah, so what do women say to guys then? Okay, Your so what are verbal affirmations so for guys? Proud. I'm proud to have you as my woman. I'm proud, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I love the way you make okay. me feel. That's the verbal affirmation, just something true okay. that, you know, I think, um, what is it for men, you're asking? Yeah, what do women say to men for verbal affirmations? 
What would I don't know. I tell my man so many things. I mean, I okay. because it's my love language, it's, it's easy for me. But um, I love the way you make me feel. I feel so safe when I'm with you. I feel so cared for. Um, gosh, you're the most handsome man I've ever seen in my life. Your muscles are so big. I mean, these are all true things. I just, I just keep it going. <laughs> okay, well, that makes sense. All right. How about his truck? Just tell the truth. You're with Don't him. Don't you tell, talk, compliment so his truck like why. a guy would or no? I mean, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You know, I mean, and, and the thing is that would be more tongue in cheek because I care less about the truck, obviously, but because I know he loves his truck. Why obviously? Um, and if he loves it's his beautiful. Truck, okay. Why wouldn't yeah. you care about it? I'm going to say, I mean, I'm going to say, wow, I've never been in such a big truck. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and he'd like to hear that. So. But, but think about um, it, though. This, this is a powerful truck. This thing makes me feel great. Let's go faster. I mean, talk guy language. See, this is what I'm getting to. Yeah, the language between us, the love language, there are two love languages. <laughs> there, there's male love language and there's female love language. So even there though you have five is, languages, yeah. we actually have ten. Mm. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I've complicated your show. I don't know. I don't know if we do or not because there's such a masculine feminine blend. There's such a spectrum. So so we might say, oh, well, the feminine love language verbal affirmation wants to hear about the physical appearance. Well, men like to hear that too. I think there's a lot of overlap, you know? Uh Like I'm talking about his truck. He might say, "Um, wow, your garden is so pretty. You put so much care into those flowers. Like it's still something that belongs to me that I've worked hard on. Um, Uh You know, I don't know. Hmm. Just curious. Gifts. Let's talk about that one. And, and then we go okay. an act of service. I don't think we've covered those yet. Gifts. It's yes. Valentine's Day or it's Christmas. And well, Aunt so-and-so expects a certain gift. Go ahead. Well, you're changing Valentine's Day and you're getting creative with it, which I think is a beautiful solution to the marketing consumerism BS. But mm-hmm. um, for yeah, a lot of gifts, Mm-hmm. For a love Yours language is? person, a oh. person whose love language is gifts, anything goes. I mean, anything that you've seen, it can be free, it can be something you made, it can be something you bought, it can be the littlest thing that costs a dollar. It, but it, it is a physical thing, you right? Thinking, you, you can't it shows differentiate that you thinking from acts of, of service. So if we, if we differentiate from acts of service, which don't have to be a physical thing, a gift actually is something that you have, is a material thing that you're giving, Right. Well, it shows that you are reflecting on them. No, that's not and, the question. And but it is mm-hmm. a physical thing. You have to actually it's a physical either, object, either yeah. buy it, make it, cook it, create it, you know, sculpt it, you know, art somehow. But you have to actually do something. You have to give something. They, you have to, it's something they thrive that you give. off having a solid object. Now, you could say, I wrote you this poem and it's a gift, and you could recite the poem for them. But for some reason, if you type it up and hand it to them on a letter while you recite it, for some reason, it fills the bucket more. There's something about the tangible item, and that might go back okay. to primitive times. We can think about that psychologically, evolutionary psychology. But mm. um, something about handing them the object, yeah. Okay, just curious. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It is. That's why I asked. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I just love to reflect now, on it. Like, you can, you can walk down the pathway in the woods and find a beautiful rock, pick it up and say, look at this. It's so beautiful. I was just thinking of pet um, rocks. I was just thinking of pet rocks. You can make a pet rock a really nice. Do you remember pet rocks? Yes, thank you. Okay. Right. So, so that's a gift. As, as a and gift actually, now that's a funny I gift. I would love a pet rock. Okay. <laughs> so sometimes people don't think that's funny because you, you brought me a rock. So here's, here's, a great, here's a perfect example. Guy thinks it's funny. He thinks it's creative. You know, the booklet in the pet rocks is why people bought it. 
you know, how to care for your pet rock and all this other nonsense. It was, it was great. It was wonderful. There's two ways to look at it from a woman's point of view. She's going to say either, oh, I can't believe you did this. This is so funny. Let's go through the book together. Or you got me a rock? What are you thinking? Anyway, now what do you do? Well, what do you do when your language then, comes back at when your gift comes back at well, that you may not be with scorn language, and derision? That's not, okay. Well, that's not her love language. It's gifts, is, which is why I like taking the quiz, honestly, for couples huh? and having a relationship contract. And then whose fault is it? If, if you're speaking a love, if, love language, okay. But if you, but is, but if you're, if you're trying to speak a love language and the other person's language is a gift, uh-huh. should rejecting it out of hand be a problem? I think it I'm is. Sorry, that sounds like, like a the, personality issue. That doesn't sound like a love language. Okay. It sounds like a personality issue, doesn't it? Okay. Well, I'm just because it, like, it goes. It goes that's kind of a bitchy thing. <laughs> well, it is a bitchy thing. Yeah, exactly. And a guy can say the same thing. You know, woman does something, creates something, buys something. You know, I got you the nicest whatever. Article of clothing, something like that. You know, name one. Uh, or, I, I, you know, I went out, I searched, for, I, I searched online for a month to find you the right golf club. <laughs> Doesn't matter what uh-huh, it is. Uh-huh, right, but, you know, yes. if, if a guy rejects that out of hand, that's incredibly insulting. Because not well, only is it a gift, but there's love. work that went so into it. he's rejecting a love offering. And, if, and, and that's why the conversation is important because you're not just you're not rejecting the item you're rejecting her love at that point if that's her love language oh, so same thing with pet rock and the woman it's horrible it and it's cruel and if right. it's unintentional then then that sinks but again i would question a relationship at any relationship where that would happen and the, i mean there's a way to say oh my gosh this feels so good to me you thought of me and then later to say you know what is there any way i love this so much to exchange it for the one that this one, for some reason, isn't working the way we thought. Can we exchange it? That gift giver love person is not mm-hmm. going to be hurt by that. I have a friend, and she's 13 years old, and it's mm-hmm. clear that her love language is gifts. And mm-hmm. she will, like if she opens a pack of Skittles in front of you, she will continue to offer you one by one. <laughs> it's the cutest <laughs> thing. And, and, if, and I've, I've, told her, um, I've told her parents, you know, hey, even if you don't want a Skittle, you might just want to say, oh, my goodness, thank you for the first few at least. And then just put them away somewhere, put them away somewhere, because receiving the gift is very important for their bucket. So you can say, no, thank you, I don't want Skittles, and that's fine. But if you want her to feel loved, you might say, oh, thank you, that's my favorite flavor, you know, and that's going to make her feel really good. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's worth making someone feel good, even if the gift, first of all, if it doesn't cost you anything, you know, to to be nice, then I don't don't see that as a problem. But there's a couple of issues come to mind. One, the, if your love language is, is, is gifts, you know, how much that can actually produce stress because you now you're trying to think of the right gift, uh, especially if that person has expectations of the dinner mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day or the diamond friendship ring or uh, he has expectations of something, you know, ammo. <laughs> I'm just I'm just like doing stereotypical guy, you know, woman. Thing. Yeah. But uh, but how do you uh, a gift if your love language is gift and you want to and you're the giver, then there's some stress. If you give wrong. Well, that doesn't have to be. Let's, let's have a conversation. I'm the giver and you're the recipient, Greg. Okay. And it's a big deal holiday coming up and you're big into holidays. You like to do, you like to compare your social media with your friends and, and they're going to see what, what I did for you and <laughs> all this pressure. Gee, I'm and a jerk in this, in this, in this scenario. <laughs> oh, sorry, you ahead. don't have to be, I'm just trying to put the pressure on. Like you said, like, oh, okay. look, I don't think that's ideal, but we're trying to have worst case scenario that there's a lot of pressure and there's a gift coming. Right. Right. So if we have a good relationship with great communication, I might say to you, 
Greg, this big thing is coming up and it's so important to me to get you just the right thing because I love you and I want you to be happy and have what you want. That being said, um, I'm not quite sure. I'm trying to decide between this and this. I'm not quite sure. How's that feeling to you? Or I could say, you know, I don't want to be like everyone else. I want us to have our own special day. Let's call it and we can name it whatever we want. And let's do it on a different day than Valentine's Day because everyone else is doing Valentine's Day. Would you be mm-hmm. open to doing it on a different day and making it like our own thing that's even better? How does that feel to you? And so these conversations can happen, you know, and then, then there's no pressure or stress and the person still feels loved. And if they're a jerk and they're closed-minded and they only want it their way, well, that's going to be an issue in other arenas also, and good to know that early on. Yeah, yeah, because I see so many couples that go out on Valentine's Day, and I keep thinking, because I've suggested it with folks that I have, uh, you know, a girlfriend and dating and stuff like that, you know, this, let's do it another day. Let's do it the day before, because every, and, you know, and, and the, the people who are into, you know, being uh, flexible, mm-hmm. being spontaneous, being with me, <laughs> you know, the, all three of those things, they're going to go, yeah, let's go a couple of days beforehand. You know, of course, the restaurants love it because yeah. nobody's there. Uh, so, so there yeah. are ways to be and independent. And you probably get better service. Oh, tons better. Oh, yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Trust me, folks. All you, all you folks out there, especially first dates on Valentine's, don't do it. Do it two days beforehand. You will get the best service because they got all the food. they got all the stuff already Imagine there. how cool it is. Greg, imagine how cool it is, I think. Like mm-hmm. if you go in two days before Valentine's Day with the red roses and the box of Absolutely. candy. Oh, you got to do the whole and thing. And you're all yeah. – and you're making out at the table. And imagine everyone else looking, thinking, oh, what are they doing? See, first people think like, oh, that's weird. Then they think, oh, that's kind of cool. And then, and then they start copying you. So in a few years, everyone's doing that. <laughs> that's interesting. See, it never occurred to me to think of other people. If I was doing a Valentine's thing, and that would be something I would do and give and, you know, bring the roses and the whole bit. Because you can get ro- you don't. it's not that you only get roses on Valentine's Day. In fact, you get better roses the day before because they're already in the shop. They're already getting them ready. Yeah, that's so, they've ordered them. So, that's right. You know, the, the, the steaks, the filet mignons, all the good food is already there, you know. So, see, people think creatively. Well, that's another thing, though. Is, is thinking creatively a love language, now that I mentioned it? Well, I mean, it's Ooh. not one of the official ones, but what, wow. if you're thinking creatively, you mean yeah. you're giving them the gift of you thinking of them specifically of something unique? Or doing something special for somebody else that's un- unorthodox, that's unusual, that's different. I think that would be an interesting thing Well, that's an, that's an act of service or a gift. That's one of the love languages. It's just doing it in an even cooler way, right? It's okay. still an act of service or a gift, right? So let's talk about that then. What are, so what, when we say service, <laughs> service implies obligation to me. So in other words, if someone is, is saying, you know, if you're doing something for somebody else, is this, is this something that they didn't expect? Is this something they do expect? Well, let's consider both of those scenarios. I expect you to take out the trash, honey, because you always do and you should. I don't, you know, or, or is it, so in other words, required access service versus, which still could be really nice, could be part of that emotional thing. Oh, he took out the trash. Isn't he great? Or is she, you know, made my favorite cinnamon rolls for Sunday. Or who knows? I mean, just like I say, I keep doing stereotypes because that's what pops into my head. So, so, do, you it's know. fine with but, me. But, it doesn't bother me. But, good. Um, I just want well, to clarify. Well, I, I folks think part of the relationship you know. contract, part of the relationship uh-huh. contract could be, could be acts of service because you share responsibility. So if we have a relationship contract and we're living together, or even if we're not, um, 
there might be things, and I'm just going to, again, you and I can both keep apologizing for being sexist, but eventually we won't anymore. But um, You will get, we'll get to yell. I'll, I'll be, just stop doing it now. Then yeah. I'll just, you know, I'll so, like, as a it. woman, there might be something, honestly, there might be something deep in my heart and in the back of my head that I think men should do when we're in a relationship. Yeah, like, taking out the trash is Like, one I, I love I, the yeah, idea. That's, that's well, one. I love, <laughs> even if I'm, not, if I'm not living with someone, I like uh-huh. the idea. It feels good to me when they notice something about my car and they say, Honey, have you changed your wiper blades lately? They look like they're wearing down. Let me get you another pair. That feels so good to me in my woman heart. Mm. Like, I, like to me, that's an unexpected act of service that feels so. Oh, I could just melt into that feeling of safety um, and being cared for. So maybe in a relationship contract, you actually have kind of hey, sort of acts of service like um, every now and then. Like, as I would feel really good if you cooked me a meal. He might say that to me. Like, like. Mm-hmm. Would you feel comfortable cooking cooking for me once a week? Because I feel really cared for as a man if you do that. And I could say, would you feel comfortable taking my garbage cans out on Sunday night when you come over? Maybe just kind of checking out my car every now and then. I mean, that might be part of the contract. But when you're talking about love language, that can fill your love language, even if it's a regular thing. Mm-hmm. And again, communication is really important. So that if I don't do it, you don't feel like a slap in the face or like I cheated on you, <laughs> you know. But then the extra acts of service, like, <laughs> like I got up early and, and washed the dishes from last night. We stayed up late snuggling and watching, watching a movie with us the dinner dishes. And I got up early and washed them all, knowing you hate dishes. And how would that feel when you walk downstairs in the morning and see that the sink is all sparkly and you don't have to deal with it? Like, that feels really good if you're acts of yeah. service, right? I'll, I'll tell you something funny about this. I was uh, staying with uh, friends of mine. Um, this is a, this is a um, someone I met you know you know on the beach in Florida when we were traveling with our family sort of like high school uh, and then uh, when I got driver's license stuff we'd been talking and writing and going back and forth anyway I went to visit him it was about a 400 mile drive and I went to visit uh, one week over Thanksgiving and they had this big Thanksgiving turkey and they were they were all they had to go to a party whereas I couldn't go. So I, I stayed uh, stayed in their home, and they went out, and I was just, you know, I didn't know what to do, and the turkey was all there, and I figured, okay. So I carved the whole thing up, you know, packages it up, because <laughs> I don't know why. I just I, I, this is what I normally do for me. It never occurred to me that this was an act of service. Apparently, they they leave it sitting in the fridge all week, <laughs> you know, and just kind of go at it, you know, bits and pieces. But I had the whole thing done. It was like sandwich ready. It was everything was cut up, and they raped over that for the whole rest of the trip. And they told everybody, Aww. you're not going to believe what Greg did. And I'm not, I'm not saying this for, for a pat on the back, but to me, and I didn't even think of this as an act of service. To me, it was just, you didn't well, even I, think didn't of it. I didn't think of it. I just did it because that's what I normally do, you know, especially when yeah. I'm staying with people and I had time and I figured this would be easier for them. So it never occurred to me, but, uh, but they were so appreciative, way beyond anything I could have possibly imagined. You know, I was, you know, if, 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 if start again, Greg, if I was expecting anything, it would be like, uh, hey, thanks for carving up the turkey. Really appreciate it. You saved us a bunch of time. Okay. Not, That's oh my God, sweet. I can't believe you did that. You know, I mean, it's just, that was so nice of you. We, well, never, we never do that because they never do that. So anyway, but it was just. Well, their love language their, might have been acts yeah. of service. One of their love really? languages and yours being verbal affirmation for them to go on and on about it was like a great reward probably, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. that's one of yours. I didn't need a reward. That's I just cool. figured it should be done. <laughs> but you know, so a lot of these things are unintentional, which is really interesting. So yeah. you, you take a look at these. Well, languages. you might be acts of service and not even know it. Are you, you think you might be acts of service? Could be. Maybe that's one of your love languages. Mm-hmm. Mm. But see, but Does I don't think it, I think love language is mis. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you saying? I was going to ask, does it feel good when someone does it for you? Like, um, yes, but it's sometimes awkward. I I feel strange about things being done for me. I'm still at that place where mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. like someone buys me a, a present. It's like you didn't have to do. I'm one of those people that says I really don't want something for my birthday. I really mean. 
I don't want something for my birthday. And I just had my birthday last week, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm, uh, and I don't, I, I, well, thank you. I mean, that's why I don't put it on Facebook. I don't need all the comments. You know, I tell a few people, people made some comments and then we had some fun with it. Um, but um, in fact, it was really funny. There's like two of my Facebook friends. We had birthdays on the, on the, were the same day. And so we all started chatting. So what do we have in common? This is kind of interesting. Um, but that's why I don't do that. I don't like being fussed over to this day. And I'm sure that goes back to, you know, when I was like two years old. Uh, but uh, so that's interesting. But I don't mind doing things for other people because I was also raised, you know, that I was conditioned. I shouldn't say raised. I was conditioned that that's that's kind of how it works. Um, so that's why I don't really think about it too much. Yeah. But yeah, so when someone there's another question for you, if someone says, I really don't want something for my birthday. There's two possibilities. One, they really don't want something for their birthday or they really do. And they're testing you to see what you're going to give them. How are those for scenarios? Oh, mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Um, because? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, these tricks and things like that, we don't really want to be tricking in relationships, do we? Testing and tricking. Nope. Too That's much. why I asked the question. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you so, have a story that you're not telling me? Uh, no, I'm just listening to you tell your story. But, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, as far as, as far as love languages, I feel like, Again, there's always room for feeling deceived, feeling hurt, feeling like you're testing the other person. But again, I think the communication from the beginning, that's mm-hmm. why I feel like taking the quiz early on, honestly. And it sounds like I'm selling this book, but I found that over the years, this is one try. It's a tried and true basic um, piece of knowledge for relationships that seems to really be solid and works for everyone. So knowing it early on, taking it and then communicating openly, like just being vulnerable. This works for me. This doesn't work for me. How did this work for you? How did that feel? And knowing your partner's love language and trying to speak it as much as possible. And if you make a goof sometime, then you just shift, right? Hmm. I would say that being vulnerable is, we always assume being vulnerable is, is what you say, saying what you, what you want, what your love language is. I think really being vulnerable is listening to what the other person's love language is and, and adapting to them and working with them and, and seeing, you know, that's, that's being vulnerable. So I always look at things differently. And that can be really hard. Like if you're, you're not a physical touch. So some people have actually like trauma from childhood where the physical touch, like they're in such this sort of protective bubble. Um, mm-hmm. And if their partner has physical touch as a love language, non-sexual physical touch, but the only time they can get physical is when the sexuality turns on because that's mm-hmm. just how they're like, there's a lot. And I don't want to be sexist women and men, but there's a lot of women who came from emotionally negligent and physically negligent parents and households. Mm-hmm. And their first, their first feeling of being loved and seen was in a sexual relationship. And mm-hmm. so they enter relationships with adults, and they actually can't do non-physical. They feel like they cannot even do non-sexual physical touch. So until, until sexuality enters and they feel desired sexually, they really – and so that's something that has to be worked through because um, a physical touch love language person needs it. They, they need it, to, and it can't just be in the bed. It, they need to be, have their arm touched sometimes when you're talking to them. They need to have their back scratched sometimes. And so, you know, I, well, I, I don't want to say forcing, uh, forcing yourself beyond your earlier. comfort level, but, yeah. but, but trying and, and, and doing it, like you said, doing it for them completely, right? This mm-hmm. is for them. And eventually, eventually, you fake it till you make it. Eventually, it usually becomes your love language to some extent. Mm. But you have to just try. You have to push yourself. Try a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was thinking of, uh, you know, if you want to see if you can uh, uh, be non-sexual physical touch, you know, sleep with someone of the opposite sex that you're either in or starting or beginning a relationship with and don't have sex and see how you are the next morning. You know, there's, there's, a, there's an interesting non-sexual, but you're really close. I mean, you're, you're intimate, but not sexual. Isn't that lovely? There's so many things you can do besides intercourse, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. I was like, you know, I mean, uh, there's feathers yeah. and ice cubes and, and wait, 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 um, stop right there. Different... This is another show. Did you say feathers and ice cubes? Well, like you don't, you can just make the person feel good. You can do so many things. Okay. You can, right. um, you can do light touches and massages and um, I like, I like and ice cubes. Do... We we got to run with that. There's, <laughs> I mean, ice cubes a... aren't exactly pleasurable for a lot of people, but there's just different mm-hmm. ways to touch, and you can give your lover mm-hmm. a facial. You know, not not that kind, um, mm. but like in actual, like, you know. We, we have to be careful. This is like, the crazy show, yeah. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> actually, there's a joke circulating around college. We used to, you know, it's kind of we, we amuse ourselves. You know, the difference between erotic and kinky? A feather mm-hmm. is erotic. The whole mm-hmm. chicken, that's kinky. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> it was funny back then. It is still funny. Um, funny and true. Mm-hmm. Yes, Okay. Um, yes, so if, so take the quiz, everyone should take mm-hmm. the quiz. I think just go online and, and Google, um, five languages. Are there different quizzes? Quiz. I mean, who's take grading it, take it. Who well, you'll, you'll, the quiz? It'll ask you, it'll say, are you in a relationship or are you single? Take the one that's okay. for you. And mm-hmm. then, um, and then practice it. Find a, and it can be a friend. It does not have to be a lover. You can practice it with a friend. I love with children, have the children, give children, have them take the quiz. I posted my kids' love languages on my fridge a long time ago, so I would remember every day that I have two physical touch, one quality time, meet their top need. If you have time, meet both needs. They usually, there's usually, everyone usually has a top two, adults and kids. Everybody usually has top two, sometimes top three, but the top two needs, meet them every day. Find a way to meet them every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, the biggest problem with this is, the, is what they call them love languages, because as soon as you say love language, I'm thinking relationships, marriage, partnerships, things like that. Um, what it really should be is communication languages, because this is what we're really talking about, or emotional languages. Because if mm-hmm. you bring in, you know, parent-kid relationships, if you bring in work relationships, if you bring in, you know, guy buds and women buds, you know, if you bring in all these different um, interactions that we have and yet love languages seem to play a really big part in this i think i think it's missing i think it's a misnomer and that you're going to limit uh the ability to think of of love languages or or emotional languages uh, at all the different times when you need to in the times when you're only if only if you have a block in your in your um, definition of love so look we are here to show love to people that's what we're here for, service to others, energy, right? Showing love all the time to everyone you encounter. So if your goal is to show love and to be love, embodying Christ consciousness, it's love language, you know? Okay. But you're saying that a lot of people aren't living their life that way and aren't thinking that way, and so they have a block So when you say love language. No, yeah? I was saying, it was, it's, no, I was saying it's easy to misunderstand the, the, the depth mm-hmm. of this and the extent of this if all you say is love languages because people think of, of mm-hmm. love like relationship. But if you're thinking, you know, obviously parent-kid, that's love. How do you be. love other people? How do you love yeah. the other people you encounter? But mm-hmm. I didn't think of the, the showing love in everything you do every day. It's a, that's, I don't know, I, did, I didn't think of that as you were saying it. It's like, huh, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I go through my day flirting with people. I think we talked about this coffee shop. Oh, and, and because my love too. language is verbal affirmation, noticing mm-hmm. I love that scarf. 
oh my gosh, your make, eye makeup is so cute. How do you do that? Um, you know, I go through my day like that because it's how I show love. And I, and I, I don't know. That's just well, what I try to something, do. Yeah, something you said before, uh, showing love to everybody every day and it's the teachings of, of, of Christ. How did you bring that in? Mm, Christ consciousness. I just think Which our is. absolute highest self. Okay. Well, embodying the ideal of Christ, which is service to others, energy. We're here to we're here to be love, show love, demonstrate love every moment of every okay. day with every breath of prayer, every breath of connection to divine source. And um, I think I do that. I just didn't think I was conscious of it. Yeah. I hadn't heard it I expressed bet that you way. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I constantly. Yeah. I, I love being out in the world. It's fun. You know, I, I'm a little cooped up, you know, putting together action radio. Um, but, um, yeah, when the day comes when I'm doing conventions and chatting and all the place and visiting every coffee shop, this is what I like talking about coffee shops. Uh, I was with a friend, you know, visiting uh, this weekend, and uh, we went to this little coffee shop, the most local, just regular down-home folks in this tiny little hole in the wall in this mall. And it was a cafe and beignet place, and I got beignet sugar, white powdered sugar everywhere. <laughs> you know, the guy that made it had oh it. You know, but it's just fun. But just, this to me is, is, is magic. You know, I don't need a big fancy mm-hmm. place. So here's another, another thing, speaking of love languages, mm-hmm. uh, is, is like, do you find appreciation uh, in people, just regular folks? You know, no one's dressed up. No one's we're very casual, very local, as opposed to the big fancy restaurant with uh, the three forks on the left and the two knives on the right. And, uh, you know, it'd be, do you need that for your affirmation? Or are you just as happy, you know, in, in the little cafe with the local folks talking about, you know, life in general. See, to me, I'm happier. Little, I, mean, I can do both, this, but well, you ask, go ahead. you ask me in this fancy restaurant to me feels stifling. It feels like we're sitting on a show. It feels like okay. we're inauthentic. It feels like it's difficult to be connected and authentic in a place like that. It feels like everything needs to be just right in a certain perfect way and everything looks the same. Right. Mm-hmm. And we present ourselves in a way that's, that's, that's supposed to please others. That's not really authentic. So take mm-hmm. it to a casual level and we have permission to be real. We have permission to make mistakes. We have permission to be sloppy and messy, right? And we have permission yeah. to have real conversations that might be offensive without intending to be, but that we're just saying how we really feel and we're connecting. I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yes. For the no, it's time. just interesting. <laughs> it goes back to gifts and acts of service. You know, in other words, I think part of the, the, the deal is not only do you have to be a good giver of these things, of your love language, you also have to be a good receiver. And I think mm-hmm. each of us have our own challenges there. But I, I was thinking it would be really great to have a diner that served like absolute gourmet, fabulous, you know, flambés and, uh, you know, all these things that come to mind. But it looks like a diner. <laughs> yeah, everybody gathers around the table or you sit in picnic benches and, hey, look, here's your, uh, you know, your escargot, <laughs> you know, your picnic bench. Well, Greg, you know. I found that like these hole in the wall restaurants, whenever I travel, mm-hmm. I have the best food. Like, mm-hmm. like you always want to ask, where's the hole in the wall that has amazing food, right? So Where in my neighborhood, we had yeah. a, yeah. In, well, it's places no one's heard of. So like mm. in my neighborhood, like up two exits up, there's this place that no one had heard of. And I don't want to say the name on the air. I don't know if I should, but it's, um, it was, it's owned by a Turkish family. You can, unless you want to keep it secret. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to. It's called Nassim's Kebab, and it's mm-hmm. owned by a Turkish family. It's attached to a gas station, mm. and it has the best, like, grilled chicken, hummus, shawarma, lentil soup. It's so good. Huge portions, everything made from scratch. Nassim is back there behind the counter. You can hear him yelling. He's cooking. It's fantastic. And it's, it's, it's like I get so excited about these little holes in the walls. You're talking about like a, like a little diner that has the best food ever. I found that the little mm-hmm. holes in the wall, like in any big city, is like the best. They usually have the best food, right? 
I'm already thinking of our next group, the Action Radio Food Gourmet Group. <laughs> not gourmet, that's not right. Food and beverage. No, what I don't I know. Say? Secret hole in the wall discovery group. Like what? What in your town? Like nobody knows about. It's like the best food. You know. Um, yeah, hold on. I, just, I yeah. was thinking about. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about you and this radio show and love languages, mm-hmm. and I was thinking how many of them you are meeting just doing the radio show. And like how many are you receiving for yourself and the way Mm -hmm. you're meeting others because words of affirmation. So you're talking all day to people, affirming, affirming each other's beliefs, sharing information, sometimes on topics that they go out in the world and they're very controversial and they can't really talk to anyone about and, you know, coming together and saying, Hey, here's Mm -hmm. some, here's some painful truths that are happening that no one's talking about and we can support Mm -hmm. each other. And so it's, I think it's words of affirmation. It's very affirming. Um, you're not doing physical touch, but think about the gifts, the gifts of um, the gifts of the presence of the format of the show, like the forum, having the forum available and having, having people come on and they can, that's a gift and it's quality time, right? Uninterrupted, mm-hmm. focused conversations. Oh, it takes a lot of my time. <laughs> yeah, acts of service. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a lot of work for you to do the radio yeah. show. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, never I thought think it's, about also, that. Thank it's you. also an act of service. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, I was just thinking the show itself is meeting a lot of probably your love languages and other people's also. Huh, that's fascinating. Well, I mean, we don't touch people <laughs> because it's a radio show, but I think we touch people. We touch people in all yeah. kinds of ways that they never thought of. Well, I'll say a perfect example. We have some uh, some bill writers. We have people that have never written uh, a piece of legislation in their lives would never have thought about it. It would never have occurred to them in a million years. Nobody does this. And we come along here at Action Radio and say, not only can you do this, but it might get on the president's desk one day if you've got an idea that's good enough. And we can rally enough people around it. So, so, what, what's, so this is why I say creation might be an act of service, because we're creating something here that does not exist anywhere else. It simply does not where somebody can take a bill. In fact, I've got one of our, uh, our folks, uh, Amber, who's our constitution reporter. She's 18, right? college freshman. Uh, wants to work on an electric car tax bill. She sent me a bill. Just I didn't know who she was, you know, and just sent me a bill on um, having politicians take the citizenship test, the immigration test, to see if they know anything. And I thought that was brilliant, you know. And I thought about it for about a month or so. Called her up, well, emailed, and then got her on the show. Now she's a constitution reporter. Now she wants to do an electric car tax bill. So the potential and the beauties of the show, if you, this would probably be an act of service, is the ability to allow people to create to allow people to express, to do things, to try new ideas. Because so much of our society, nobody lets people express themselves. You know, it's, it's dumb. It's stupid. We can't do it. It's not practical. You know, the boss says no. I hate stuff like that. I've heard that my entire life, which is probably why I, I'm so open to new ideas and new creative things And people here. accept it. People accept it. It's so interesting. And I, and I hmm. think that's, I don't want to, again, disparage public school, but I think that historically that's been something public school has achieved, is making people ashamed to ask mm-hmm. for something outside of the law. It's a shame to step outside of the, the box and to ask for things and to think outside the box and to imagine possibilities and move towards them, right? Mm-hmm. We do it here. We, as I say, yeah. at Radio, we think like there is no box because if you think outside the Love box, it. there's still a box, okay? So you're still defined by the box, whether you're inside or outside. So if you're inside, you're conforming. If you're outside, you're rebelling. But if there is no box, you're just creating. Oh, we should write that down. That was good. That's right. That's right. There's in the boxes in our own mind, right? Are yeah. the cages are a, a cage of our own minds. Stop with the boxes. Right. We, there we, are no yeah. boxes. The possibilities are what your imagination will allow. 
And that's a pretty, for me at least, that's a big group. But yeah, I love what we do here service-wise. I love the inspiration. I love to be too creative. I love the people I get to talk to. I got to talk to Peter Navarro a week ago, you know, President Trump's senior aide. And what are the chances of that? You know, we, uh, I've got a microphone, a computer, and a headset. <laughs> you know, we, you know, it's, it's, just, it's, it's a, very cool. It's the ideas. And it will be, ideas. and it will be censored. It will be censored mm-hmm. if we continue in the direction we are. Um, what do you mean, will be? Nobody will get to hear it. I, been, well, I, well, I'm saying is this, for years. the kind of op- open discussion, giving uh-huh. permission, thinking outside the box yeah. is absolutely antithetical to having a hierarchical, like controlling government, mm-hmm. you know? So um, as long as we continue to do this, we have power and we have connection and we have possibility and, and it's the kind of your radio show is the kind of thing that is essential. It's essential. We ha- and there should be more of them. Um, I'm going to post the love languages on. Should I post on the health and wellness page? Mm-hmm. The love language quiz, so people can take it. I can yeah, try it on the man page. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, men will love it. Absolutely, men share with their the love page. languages met. Yeah, let me share with the yeah, man page. Yeah, the more people that do this, the better. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll post it and then. Um, I'm signing off for today. I have okay. some of my people in my life that I love waiting for me. <laughs> yep. Are, are they waving at you saying, it's time to go? <laughs> no, so, but so I'll here's start an act of service. That. Give her two more minutes. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. Um, contact information, well, anything yeah, you want to do? I like to events. honor the mm-hmm. No, I know, I know. So, so um, contacts, uh, <laughs> events, anything you want to talk about, and last announcements, and then I'll uh, close it up. Thank you. No, Thank you. I have a Facebook page, Dorothy Diana, and I teach I teach women empowering movement and sensual dance, and that's what I love the most. We do our work there, and um, that's it. I'll see you next week. I'm excited to discover the next topic as I go through my week. I kind of listen, learn, and choose something, and we'll mm-hmm. get all into it. Yeah, and, and just so folks know, I have no idea what uh, uh, Dorothy's going to talk about. I don't know. It's, it's, there's no pre-approval here. <laughs> you want to bring something to me? Bring it. It's live. It's podcast forever, and I don't care. That's what makes it fun here. We are very spontaneous. I think people, if they realized how little we actually plan, they wouldn't believe it because <laughs> it's not scripted. It's really not. Oh, yeah, <sighs> nothing's scripted. You have to know what you're talking about or admit mm. that you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I, both of those things happen. People know what they're talking about, what they're talking about, and, and sometimes they have to admit they don't. Anyway, thank you very mm-hmm. much. Let's, let's yeah. do it again next week. Yeah, great chat. All right. Okay. I'll have a Take great care. week, and um, and maybe we'll post some more cafe pictures. Hopefully, I'll get to get to one, and you'll get to get to one, and we can uh, share them on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm gonna start a group. We need we need like a the, the gourmet group or something like or the 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 cafe clutch or something or whatever we call it. And we'll, I'll think of something too. I we'll love it. it yeah. Sounds okay. good. Okay. Have a great Thanks, week. Thanks, Dorothy. You too. Take care. Bye bye. Bye now. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com/wyl. 
That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. So you want to help us out? (laughs) Good. This is how. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. All right, so I'll be back tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock um, Central Time. And so I'm trying to standardize the time so we actually have it uh, um, pretty much coordinated. We, we had the doctor's panel, so we started late on Thursday. So it's 7 o'clock uh, start time, a.m. Central Time, um, Monday through Thursday. Friday, we're at 6 o'clock till, uh, in the morning, but I'm going to see if I can work on that, change that. We'll see. It's just, it's just reporter schedules, things like that. Anyway, whole new show tomorrow, new topics, new reporters. Every day is different here at Action Radio. That's what makes it so much fun to be here. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system.
You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. <laughs> 